Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. It's the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. This week, I've got a crowd of characters here ready to talk about all the RPGs of April, or at least get a start on it. My name is Brian Vitale. Joining me today, let's go down the list. I've got George Foster. Hello, everyone. We have Josh Torres. That was an upbeat intro, Brian. Are you okay? I'm just trying to change it up. Just, just trying to may not, not not be so robotic and always use the same the same verbiage every time. Here's our cast of characters. They all have different paths, unique paths, but they're they're here's our they all, they all they all have a singular character gimmick. <laughs> uh, we have Adam Vitali. Wait, what is George's? George uh, says that he's British. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> uh, Adam is here. What's up? We have uh, James Galizio. Video games. True, true. And finally, we have Chow Min Wu is joining us again. Wow, I don't have a proper introduction still, but hello. Hello, Chow. So we are uh, about halfway through April. Obviously, we are a few days removed from the release of Saga Frontier Remastered. By this time next week, we'll be a few days or a day removed by the release of Near Replicants Remaster. We've got a few other early and late April releases to talk about. Obviously, we've got a bunch more release dates kind of peppering in into the summer months. As for the slate of news this week, stop me if I'm a broken record. It's maybe a little bit lighter, but we will make up for it because we have you know so many colorful characters here to discuss the games we've been playing, new or old. So before we get to the news, let's go through that. Now, I, I know I can't pick Adam to go first, who am I allowed to pick to go first? How about uh, George went first last time? You so haven't gone go first up. in a while. Yeah, you, yeah. Ever. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ever. Uh, well, for, I, I spent a few weeks there where I hadn't really played much, so I just kind of like quietly skipped myself. I'm like, no one will notice. Uh, but this week, I actually, I actually did um, pick up something on a whim. No one cares so about anyone who doesn't play a video game. Well, what <laughs> did you pick up? So obviously, a little over a week ago, Trails of Cold Steel 4 released on PC. So I went ahead and I downloaded it and I booted it up and I kind of sat there on the title screen thinking like, you know what? I really should give this game its best chance. Do, its, do my due diligence. And I knew like you'd be justified going into it because the, the, what I'm trying to avoid saying here is that crossbow games. I Obviously, anyone who knows much about the Kiseki or the Trail series knows that they're all kind of like interlocked and webbed together, but there is no official English localization for two of the games squarely in the middle of the current series. And that's just kind of like this weird thing hanging over Cold Steel series, especially like three and four. So I, I sat there and I, I exited the game and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and figure out how to boot up the about a year old fan translation for Trails from Zero made by the Geofront uh, fan translation group. So I, it was actually pretty simple to figure out. I, I went to a Japanese online retailer DL site, downloaded the Joyoland, I believe, Chinese PC port of the game. Um, no, the uh, uh, DL site sells the uh, Japanese version, which um, Falcom released themselves. Ah, okay. Uh, James is, I, I assume, is going to be bouncing off me a few times here because he is very much in the know of this series 
and actually has his Discord avatar based on a character from the from that game that I didn't realize going in. Uh, and I it, it was pretty simple for me to figure out, and I ended up basically playing through that game in a week. I finished, started, and finished Trails from Zero, the oh, first wow. of the Crossbell wow. duology in the last week. So did so, you just mainline it, or geez. did you do like uh, side quests and whatnot? I did side quests, um, but it does help that I have like the four the four X turbo and the like the uh, that's instant true text and the instant text like uh, the, all the text boxes fill in instantly or whatever. Well, I'll, I'll have a secret because I wrote trails guides, and I'll tell you why I stopped writing a guide for zero because I missed one of those books, the doctor the backdoor doctor books. That's oh, right, um, your guide did valid then. So <laughs> what, what, what you're talking. What Chow is talking about is that in most Trails games, there's like a series of newspapers or books that you gather and you usually get something good at the end if you get all of them. Uh, luckily, I like constantly saved in like a different save spot. So a few times I'm like, oh, crap, I missed something. Like I was able to uh, kind of backtrack and not lose too much progress. Well, um, I got a big so secret for you. Well, I play, was it Trails of the Azure? I use only one save file. So That's living life to the edge. I like it. So yeah, I'm the sort of person that whenever I play any RPG, I, uh, I I I don't save in a new slot every time, but like every other hour, I'll make a new save. So by the end, I'm usually sitting on like thirty to forty of them. Okay, uh, before before we move on, like just a save, uh, like t- making saves in an RPG, just around the table. Are you guys the one uh, the type to, like save in uh, either multiple slots or one slot, and then but you save over that one slot multiple times in the same save. Save I live right? life on the edge. I save over the same save slot over and over again. <laughs> That's me. One plotter there. Okay, but are, but are you like me where like I'm paranoid, so I say make a, a save like two or three times before I move on over the same slots. Like, oh, did I did I save? Or did we just go make another save? Like, in go this on the slot? menu and save three times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It depends on yep. the game. Like, if it's an RPG, then yeah, I'll, I'll consider maybe those choices to be made. You and sh- I want to see the end of it, but. Otherwise, no. Just go for it. Well, Usually, I, I only um, do the save multiple times thing if it's like, okay, I just finished a section of this game that was absolute ass. I gotta make sure that I save. <laughs> well, the reason why I do one save file a lot of the time, because as a kid growing up, you know, you're playing cartridge-based games, and yeah. we like to keep it like this. It's like, the first save file belongs to my older brother, the second save slot's mine, and the third slot, it's kind of like, whatever. So, it's kind of like, we just keep it one save file only, right? Yeah, like, hey, man, like memory cards like what eight megabytes back then, even lower before before the PS2 one. So, so like oddly enough, like file like the file size of a save was like a luxury because of the small memory cards that we had. But yeah, these days I don't know about me. I feel like I'm a paranoid gamer, and it's just like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna use the save file, but I'm gonna use it again and again, like two or three times before I move on. And like I, I save constantly too. Like whenever I pass by like a save point, like I'll just take that time to save because I'm just there, and I don't know why. I just it's not, it's not like I ever got like save corrupted too. It's not like I have like some sort of like weird trauma about having a save corruption. It's just like it's just a habit now, and I don't know why. So for Trails from Zero, I ended up with like 40 save slots, but um, this is kind of interesting to talk about because I'm talking about a pretty easily available fan translation but it is a fan translation it's not officially localized but it was kind of such a low hurdle that anyone who's a fan of the series i do should like at least seek out what's necessary to play it um 
and I don't want to just like say, okay, here's everything that happened in the game, because obviously this is a series where you don't really want to do that for you know preserving every, everyone else's experience. One thing um, I, I do, do want to say um is yeah it's a fan translation but because of how easily accessible it is and i'd say the actual quality of the translation that if you're a fan of the series you you absolutely should go out of your way to play it because it is it is really good really high quality yeah so i one thing that even like before i go into more details about my impressions of the game apparently in march this year if i remember right they actually uh took Nisa's port of Cold Steel 4, not port, uh, localization of Cold Steel 4, and they took some of the phrasing there to update their translation for similar terms in the this crossbow game. So that's kind of like the attention to detail that the team of Geofront has had. So I thought that was really kind of like above and beyond uh, being more logically consistent compared to like the PSP version of Trails in the Sky, which has some weird early, you know, proto translations. Um, so I want to touch on some highlights of this game. Like, uh, I really liked it a lot. It's definitely like in my top three. I don't know exactly where it would land for the series. Um, the first thing, the, the, the first two things actually that I really enjoyed about it is that within like 10 or 15 minutes of booting up the game, you are introduced to your core four cast of party members basically your special support section, Boyd Bannings, and then his uh, the three other playable characters. And that's pretty much the the core of the game throughout the whole game, which is kind of like, I, I don't know, I didn't, I knew some details about this game going in, just like through osmosis in general, like or with all of the series, but that, was, that wasn't what I was expecting, but I actually think it worked really well compared to some other later games in the series where that is definitely not the case. So it really allows the cast to like have some time to like build up and you know build a rapport uh with each other and really kind of go into detail where it's not just a bunch of different characters just getting like their one word in and that's all because they're crowded out no it really does kind of flesh out these people that obviously uh, i had played cold steel 3 before this which was might maybe a mistake though obviously you could argue it's justified because you know local official releases don't exist um but that was one thing that i thought was really cool about Trails from Zero. It's also another thing. It's interesting that you mentioned that because even at the time when this was released, like it's still a similar sentiment because this is coming off from Trails the Trails from the Third uh, at that time, and that even that that game had like, uh, even though it's a unique All structure, thirteen or fourteen, it's, it's yeah, still, yeah, it's still it's still a somewhat bloated cast even on that end, right? Because you still have pretty much all the available characters from the first two games plus some in that in that trilogy as well. So even on that end, it still it still felt like a nice, smarter uh, scaled back from the, even from the other end of the trail series. And yeah, it's just it really interesting to have like an art a JRPG where you have your entire party from the get go, pretty much. Yeah, like Final Fantasy Ten Two style or whatever. And Trails Third is kind of one of those interesting games where they almost kind of like just like went why not when answering like. Should Josette, this minor character, be playable? Sure, why not? <laughs> and a few other surprise characters in that game that probably didn't really suit the game that much. But Trails and Trails Third is one of my favorites. Favorites, so I don't want to back yeah. on too much. Yeah, well, even that, even that, like the first Cold Steel game being another sort of reset for the series, you're introduced to like eleven characters off the bat, and you don't get to play them all right away. But still, I almost feel like from the get go, that's almost like too much. 
like you're inevitably going to be distilling or uh, diluting you know character building if you're spreading it out across such a large class and then one thing that's sort of related is that obviously this was the fourth total game in the series after the three that took place like in the liberal kingdom with trails in the sky trilogy so they could kind of press the reset button on a few things so the scope of the game was kind of scaled back the uh the stakes start out smaller and they do escalate a bit towards the end but it's just kind of nice to play an entry in the series where you can have chapters be compelling about these are just some early chapter story premises no no clear spoilers but like an early chapter talking about a local mafia basically shakedowning villages with with a series of uh, with basically underhanded tactics or like a, a threat made to a to a performing arts center basically if someone's life is in danger and things like that where it's just like little conflicts that a small group of rookie you know policemen not bracers uh, would would be able to like it makes sense and there's like after playing, I've only played three of the four Cold Steel games, uh, but even by the end of the second, start of the third one, the stakes and the scales have gotten like so almost ludicrously massive, where it's like every single conflict is between titans almost, and you've got like all all the big mech battles or whatever that are coming into play in there as well. So it was actually kind of nice to see a little bit of like a scope shrink, where it's like, can we tell a compelling story? based around one city based on these like lower level lower level conflicts which yes do eventually kind of uh cord together towards a larger thing at the end but the fact that it was able to do that kind of actually makes me more interested in something like kuro nokoseki uh the new one that they've recently just revealed for a japanese release um if they can do the same sort of thing where they can say like all right we've had our fun basically dialing it up to 11 12 13 with the cold steel games maybe we can Maybe we can bring it back a bit. We can kind of shrink the scope and still tell compelling stories. So that, so that was the second major thing from Trails from Zero that I really enjoyed playing through. There were a couple things that were kind of... How do I word this? Here, I'll, I'll start with this anecdote. Like Four times within the first three chapters of the game, your special support section is bailed out by people that are more capable than you which is kind of like a running uh trope for the series i guess especially prevalent in cold steel games and it's it's sort of the thing where it's like it's not as prevalent or as obnoxious here but i can kind of see like oh like they they started playing with that kind of conflict resolution idea in this game and that i know they're gonna kind of keep going to this well in the later series not there's, so there's also yeah, basically. There's also a point in the game where two characters literally do the hello first name, or should I say first name, last name, title from place, <laughs> that sort of thing, back to each other. Uh, so I'm just kind of like, going to uh, explain like, to you who you are, even though you are probably familiar with that information. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of like, all right, Falcom has their their manner of storytelling and i think it really is kind of ham-fisted in some ways but it's kind of it comes with a territory now it's like it's not it's not going to be too fruitful to really dwell on it too much but i'm like oh okay like this didn't this wasn't invented with cold steel it was here you know all along but do characters ever remind each other how how long it's been since the last time they met uh maybe in the next game they, they, will. they <laughs> do 
They do, but I think you do that a lot in later games. <laughs> sometimes the the context of it ends up making sense because they're trying to piece together uh, kind of like a timeline of events. Like, when did this major event happen six years ago, and when did this character first get involved five years ago, and then that person like ended up. Yeah, so and so they so they so they, so they kind of do do that, but like in the framework of what happened in what order, because that's part of like a, a mystery of the game. One of the last things I'll say is that one thing I wasn't expecting going into this is that it really is a sequel to Trails Third, and it does really follow up on some of that game's like plot beats deliberately. In a way, I wasn't expecting because I thought, oh, new uh, new lo- new cast new location it's not really going to touch on those things but that's kind of not true like you could argue that the main conflict of at least trails from zero obviously i haven't played uh azure yet is that it really follows up on one of the main conflicts of trails third even though the stage has changed so it doesn't kind of in a different way but it really kind of feels like if if i was talking about this game 10 years ago or however long ago and it'd be like, can you play Trails from Zero in an alternate universe where it was localized without playing the Sky Trilogy? I'd be like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, so I already feel like I'm getting my uh, yeah my and series badge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I even asked about that um, during my condo interview a few years back, and his outright response was that thing in particular, and I and I know which what you're talking about. It's obvious to anyone that's played Zero and Trails uh, Trails Third. Uh, his argument was is that he didn't see it as so much you needed to play Trails in the Sky, but rather, oh, it gets people that maybe just started with Zero interested in Trails in the Sky to go backwards. I'm not sure if I agree with that argument, but it is word of God the reason why it's there. So I mean, it, I mean but look, the, the, of course they're going to say that so like this, so it makes more people likely to bite instead of feeling gatekept. So it's a very, it, it feels like you know in your heart what it should be, but for the sake of marketing, this is what has to be said at the same time. And I mean, Josh, you've played Zero, oh, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so, sure. yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. But it's also like it's also like when people say, hey, you know, you can start with Trails of Cold Steel 3. It's like, can you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you can you can maybe hand wave arguments for Zero or Cold Steel 1 as being like, if you have the understanding that you're going to have to glean broad strokes from information you don't have, but I can't see Cold Steel 3. Uh, um, I, do, I do like that, like, this over the course of this conversation, like, the only thing that, like, uh, sticks out on my mind, like, the imagery I have in my mind was, like, in that era when they released that East versus uh, uh, Trails fighting game on the PSP, and, like, the, the hidden unlockable secret character, OP character, and that was Lloyd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was like, uh, and then, like, in, in, comp- in the competitive scene, Lloyd was banned because he was too good. And in the actual game, he's really weak lore-wise. <laughs> yeah. I actually really kind of like Lloyd as a character. He's not perfect. There is a lot of ways where he's basically proto-Reen. Like, he has a lot of the same characterizations uh, in a way where he's, like, constantly flattered, where I'm just kind of, like, rolling my eyes. I, but I, like, this... I like Lloyd. I just feel like um, Lloyd is kind of like a like an idiot if you choose to be an idiot in there, but you make the right choice. He's, like, a complete, like, ace detective. But that's how <laughs> I see him. He's... The, the reason why I like him is kind of twofold. One, he's like confident in his abilities and like Reen sort of is, but he always kind of like follows up any statement with like, I couldn't have done diddly squat without 
all of my friends who really carried me. It's like, Reed, shut up. Like, you're like <laughs> insanely, ta- Reed, you're like insanely talented, like God given native ability. And like, you still kind of like, kind of constantly have to play like this, like, uh, oh, I'm so, I'm so humored by everyone else. Where Lloyd's kind of like, yeah, I studied my ass off at the police academy and therefore I'm really confident in my skills and I know I can do this. Not that's in every why, case, but that's a lot of times. I, I prefer Lloyd over the, all the trails protagonists so far, like even over Estelle, even over Kevin. <laughs> Like I, I understand, like you know, I like them too, but I think out of like the main protagonists, I think Lloyd is still my favorite out of them. And of course, now I'm at the place where the game deliberately ends, like with stuff you like, it, and it's almost kind of like I wasn't expecting it to be this blunt about it. The game basically ends with like a monologue. I'm not going to say what the details of that are, but saying like, here are all the things we don't know yet player you don't know the answer to these questions literally these questions we're typing out for you to play <laughs> the next game and it's just like oh and okay. the and the funny thing is, is that as far as trails goes like zero probably has the smallest cliffhanger out of all of the first entries to each of the arcs in the series it actually has like a self-contained ending if it yeah. ends yeah. there no one would care yeah <laughs> i actually do like how it's conflict really isn't self-contained as expected from a game in the series. It does kind of have like tethers to a bunch of other different, you know, machinations of different, you know, groups. And you know, obviously, obviously the enforcers, the inner Ouroboros play a role and other, other societies play a role, but it's, it's largely self-contained where it's like, how do I say this? In all the other games, you're, you're, you're fighting like a bunch of care, a bunch of people who are, cameo in a bunch of different places and i already kind of mentioned that it's like battles among titans of people who have been around forever who are incredibly powerful but zero without going into any more detail really isn't quite like that so it, it was kind of nice kind of like how trails uh fc was where the final antagonist there was just kind of like had like a personal vendetta with larger ambitions but it wasn't it wasn't like this big planned orchestration thing that Cold Seal 3 becomes and 4 becomes. I'm sorry, Brian, but it, it retroactively becomes that with the most recent release of uh, Zero, where they have uh, like that Juna as like an NPC model in that game. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that, where uh, the... What, what version of the game? Is that the Vita version? It's the Kai yeah, version. The Kai version. Oh, the Kai version. Yes. Okay. And that's coming out on Steam, not in America, obviously, but uh, with, the, uh, with the Steam release for Asian I don't own that version, but do they have Toa in there too? Are yes, they- and as in uh, Azure. So, like retroactively going back and saying, like, all right, how can we how can we interconnect this further? Because clearly yeah. we missed it first time. Or something. <laughs> it's like, all right, that's it's a silly addition, but whatever. But uh, so, if anyone's interested in playing this, I don't want to talk like, oh, I, I went way out of my way to play this, and now no, everyone else has to wait, like. I went to the I went to this website DL site, uh, just managed my way through with a machine translator. The game was like thirteen hundred yen, and I got like a coupon for being a first time customer. It cost me like ten bucks, and it, it just accepted my credit card straight out, which I know some people have struggled with. So you might have to go uh, try another payment method. But for me, I really didn't have to. Uh, downloaded it, downloaded the GeoFront patch. It basically says the patcher says point me to the game. You you tell it where the game is. It patches it, and then you just play it like. It was really quite simple. I, I figured it out. And if I could figure it out, <laughs> you can figure it out. Uh, and like James and I were talking about earlier, it really is a quality, a lot of attention to detail. They went back to update their work to be in line with uh, Nice America's. 
actually didn't really play over it, but did they fix the aerial bug? Uh, yes, that was one uh, of the first things they fixed when they uh, worked on the uh, patch. I was about to say, I don't know what you're talking about. So I, uh, uh, I Basically, if you use the Win Arts uh, aerial, the game would just slow Single down to like digits, high FPS. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That was the, nope. like one of the very first things they fixed. So, yeah. But yeah, more, it's a cinematic uh, frame rate for those spells. So I guess now I'm in the boat where I have to now keep tabs on Geofront to see like what the status is of Azure. So I'm now well, that, kind of in that uh, train. That well, should be in the in next Japanese. month or so. Well, that should be in the next month or so. So it's not like you'll have to wait too long. I mean, there, there is a patch out there. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, but the Geofront version of Azure is coming so soon that I would just wait for that because it's going to be a much better translation. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if they have a timetable for that or not. Like, I don't want to put I'll put additional pressure on this. Like it's next month. It could be, you know. I mean, this is like Adam here. I mean, he's like, oh, I'm going to beat this one root in Saga. Then, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, there's a remaster coming up. Well, I was I was joking that like as soon as I play this game or both games, that's when we'll finally, finally get the official announcement. So <laughs> once that happens, you can all thank me. Yeah. Even like, even though honestly, I I had a good enough time with Trails to Zero with this port or with this uh translation that I I can kind of easily recommend it in terms of quality wise. Like I've played a few other fan oh, translations. I, I recommend the Crossbell games. I just don't recommend where the trails end up. Yeah, so I'm kind of I'm kind of looking forward. I've kind of got two series that I'm looking that I have gaps in that I'm trying to fill. One of those is trails. It'll be nice to kind of be on the boat where I'm like, okay, I've played the first, what, nine. And there, therefore, like, I, I haven't, like, I've done my diligence. I've, I've, I don't have gaps that I'm just ignoring. And another one is Yakuza. I still have Yakuza's five and six that I'm going to play at some point this year. But I don't know when, because once I get those out of the way, I will have played zero through seven. So that's kind of my goal for the year is to try to kind of, get these series that I've been interested in a long time and I've kind of just played, poked and played random games in them. Kind of actually like get get up to speed and kind of have the full the full breadth of titles under me. But yeah, that was my week. I, I really enjoyed it. I kind of blitzed through it in a single week. Uh, so I must have enjoyed it a lot. It's top three. I'll have to, I'll have to ruminate on it a bit to see like well, I think this is I a lot shorter. It? You know? It like, is a bit shorter, yeah. Like you play the newer Trails game. It's like what? Cold Steel Free is like 120 to 150 hours to beat. I know some people say I'm exaggerating, but hey, man, you know, at one point Persona used to be shorter games. Then look where we are now. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think the the Turbo and the no, so I how do I word this? There's um, there was there's a spot in the launcher for this version of the game where it's like if you have the Evo, the Vita re-release version, I believe voice files, you can drop them here and get the full voice acting. And I kind of looked around for that a little bit. And I was kind of like, you know what? I don't really need that because I can kind of like read faster than they can talk that whole conundrum. So the fact that I could turbo through like these very slow panning shots and like constantly just read the dialogue at a pretty brisk pace. It's kind of worth it, you know? Randy's voice is really good in Japanese. I can I can highly recommend that one. But it, it, it really does extend the, the playtime, though. It's like, I, I'm with Brian here. Like, if I can read faster than you're, what you're saying, then I'm usually going to skip what you're saying, no matter how good the voice acting is. <laughs> it depends. What, like, it depends. Sometimes I go into a game and I like want to linger on every last word. But, for some, but uh, 
I guess for I guess for this game, since since I didn't play it with voice acting, it's a moot point. It was there was no option. But like I think one of the biggest pet peeves in Azure was um, two of the voices are really quiet. So I I heard Geofront supposed to fix that. Hmm. Like every time when Randy talks in in the in the Azure version or when Yin talks, they're like super quiet. Like you couldn't hear them at all. It's like it's like, they didn't, like they didn't do the voice balancing right. That's interesting. yeah. It's like you couldn't hear them unless you turn the volume off. Or like, no, I turn the volume off, like turn the music off. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not that. Obviously, I, I started this whole journey and I'm wrapping up here, don't worry, uh, by downloading Cold Steel 4 and then being like, you know what, I'll put this off for a bit. So I'm, I am okay putting that off until I can play through Azure. Because I kind of want to give that game for some reason its, it's best possible chance. I don't want to just go in and say like, well, that didn't make sense to me. It stinks <laughs> or whatever. I want to at least substantiate myself and say I know everything that's going on, and then it maybe stinks. We'll see what well, I think. <laughs> well, we'll see because remember, I've played both cross spells before I played CS4. Well, yeah, I just want to make sure that I that I that I have good footing. But yeah, Tales yeah. from Azure, it's pretty good. I'm getting, or, I'm sorry, getting jealous uh, of, of you and James. You go, you're going through your Trails and Yakuza series. Uh, James is going through his Final Fantasy. I'm like, I kind of want to go through a series I haven't played through yet. But I don't know what. Dragon I mean, Quest. You've already played everything. Oh, oh, I played, I played a lot of Dragon Quest. <laughs> uh, I've been, I've been an avid Dragon Quest follower, so I can't be that. I don't know. I was Elder like, Scrolls. Play okay. through Elder Scrolls Arena, which is like pretty hard to go back to. Series. I don't know, man. I, I still have, it. I still have this uh, Steam version of Blue Reflect Reflection still installed for some reason. So maybe now that it's turning into a series with like an anime and a sequel and a mobile game, I was like, maybe I should be that person that just. For some reason, oh yeah, I actually did play Blue Reflection. So there you go. Or or so, uh, Cal- Caligula. Josh, also. You, should, you should just take it away. What uh, what have you been playing this week? <laughs> um, what I can let's see. I can't talk about the main thing I've been playing. So maybe next we can talk about that. Um, there was this one night. I don't know. I was I was feeling bored, and I I downloaded this Apple Arcade version of Oregon Trail and streamed it to some friends. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So I played some Oregon Trail. That's like the the newest version, which is actually has like visuals and models. Which is for me, I use I I think of Oregon Trail as like a text adventure. That's I guess showing my age a little, but that's how I primarily played Oregon Trail and a little bit of what was uh, available on Windows ninety five, which was I okay. Just, I, yeah. I I remember that game when I was a kid, like going to like elementary school. Or Raise something your like hand that. if you expected our RPG podcast to ever talk about Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> It's a yeah. good, it's a really depressing game. You just go out and usually die from like starvation. Okay, like like I've 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 a terrible organ shelter because I've always has I always have the settings to grueling pace and fulfilling like the food like the max food and whatnot. So it goes as fast as possible. But obviously, people get more injured as you put it to grueling pace. So like one of my party members is just struggling. Oh, like within two days of the journey, he started he got a broken leg, and then like at another part of it. Um, my hunter who went uh, came back from a hunt. Uh, I, I guess the their rifle was ac- ac- quote unquote accidentally pointing at him and accidentally discharged on his arm. So he got he Jesus. Has like a, so yeah, he has like a, a bullet hole in his arm now, a broken leg. And then like after as he was about to like recover from both of them, he got another broken leg. So it's been kind of weird. I think the weird part about this version of Oregon Trail is it has like the Resident Evil Four uh, briefcase inventory Tetris management in it so like you can carry all these supplies with you on your wagon but you have to like rotate them on your wagon 
to like make it fit. <laughs> so, it's, so like, so like I like put like this box of ammo sideways, like because that'll fit that way, and whatnot. And then uh, throughout the journey, your wagon will get beat up, so there will be like uh, parts of that Spaces grid you can't use. You, yeah, there'll be like it'll be damaged or exposed. So you have to like have like some repair tools on you to like fill it, like repair that, so it's usable again on that grid. Uh, and then there's also this part of the Sporgan Trail version where you can like there's like stats on your people, so they can have like a constitution stat or like a religious stat and whatnot. You can like say have like this like Bible on you, and like you can use that as a person to like make them more religious. I think, and I'm not really sure what that does. I know I know that like. There's like a, ha- a hunting stat, like a sharpshooter stat, that like yeah, that's, that's obviously what it does. Oh yeah, like uh, the 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 hunting mini game is you can walk very slowly in eight directions and you can shoot in that direction, but it's not like anything complicated. It's like hey, there there's animals still running and you still shoot them with a rifle. Bigger ones like like ox uh, or buffalo, you can take like two shots and whatnot. And Why then there's still... a bear. Is there a bear in there? I. Th- Maybe maybe later on in the journey, I don't know. Right before you get to Oregon, there's just a bear in the way. But 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 it's all it's all um, it's weird because you it's not like a straight shot to Oregon. Obviously, you always have these landmark locations. So like the the first stop is like Fort Kearney, but then you have like your choose your own route to get there. So like you have like these three branches, and like you choose a branch, and if you've like seen that part already it'll like show hey there's a camping spot or this is a a place where you'll stumble upon an event like say there's like there's like a a broken wagon that you choose to go there and investigate it and whatnot and it's so stupid because sometimes like you send a person out to like say investigate something and then they'll come back to the wagon and they're like oh they slipped and fell on a rock they broke their leg it's like wait what so it's uh i don't know i've been i, I played Oregon shell for a night and i'll probably continue with it here and there it's also it's also kind of sad too well obviously the whole event is sad but like <laughs> the the tutorial is like is really weird because um they're showing you these systems and i, I don't know if it's like random it, it doesn't i don't think it's random but like the the tutorial person for me was uh was a native american and like it ends with him getting cholera and like on like your first like kind of main hub before you uh, go on your journey and then you just kind of check up on this native american tutorial person and it's like yeah i don't have many days left since i got cholera but uh good luck on your journey i'm like all right dude i guess don't (laughs) it is i'm like what the fuck so uh other than that uh i can't wait to put oregon trail on the (laughs) timestamps yeah well have you seen those um was it those mini computer with oregon trails and in like Walmart, you never seen those? I don't. I don't think I've seen those. Like I said, I've only played the text adventure Oregon Trail, like the one of the originals, and the and the whatever was on Windows ninety five, which is like a more primitive visual version. I don't. I don't know this, how many. This, this is dating me, but I remember like second grade computer lab. It was a little bit outdated at the time, admittedly. So don't 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 thank me that much. But we had the big like nine inch floppies. That uh-huh. were like a stack of them, and that was yep. the Oregon Trail game. That's what you, if you wanted to play that in computer lab, that's what you had. You had this big yeah. ass floppies. I'm sure there's a many, many versions of Oregon Trail, and I, I don't know any. So it's kind of a weird generational thing of like, I got text, Windows 95, and then fast forward how many years it's like I have this newest version of Oregon Trail, I guess. How many kids on their, on their little uh, hand me down iPhones are going to ask for Apple Arcade subscription to play 
Oregon Trail 2021. I'll do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I was. I only because I want to make the most out of my like my three free three months of Apple Arcade. So I just downloaded all these games that I haven't don't really have time to get to. I was like one of the the ones that I was just like I don't know. I'll give this a shot because because uh, me and Brian have finished the uh, part one of Fantasian. So now mm-hmm. we're here just twiddling our thumbs waiting for the second part, and I'm excited for the second part. Like there, it seems very promising where it's going, but I'm just hoping that I, I don't forget how to play uh, uh, when it comes back to you know. Whenever that comes up, but it, like I, I don't know, like it's it's kind of a weird thing. Like I can't, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna spoil how that uh, first part ends. But there are like systems that are like introduced to you like way later than you'd you'd expect, and then shortly after you're exposed to, like this one or two new systems, like it's like okay, end of part one. I'm like, but but you just I yeah, just like maybe part one is just a tutorial. Yeah, major gameplay component is introduced like three hours, not even three hours, two hours, 90 minutes before like yeah, you get like, a little intermission like statement says, please, please return in part two. It's like, oh, that's weird. And then without spoiling anything, there is a little text box that gives a suggestion about how part two will be different from part one in some ways. So I was like, huh, okay. Like, so not only did you kind of introduce this new idea right at the like midnight hour, but you're also telling me that the second part is going to play slightly differently. So it's kind of interesting where it's like, I really liked what I played of part one. And I guess to to succinctly sum it up, when I first got that message that said like end of part one, my, my gut response was, oh man. So I must have enjoyed, I must have enjoyed what I played. If that was like, it wasn't finally it's over. Well, I have a question for you guys. If you got this new system, can you go back and level up and try to take advantage of this new system before part two comes out? So in part one, this kind of answers your question. Like the point of no return, you don't have access to the full map or your full party. You kind of have a limited area that you can kind of explore. So it's not like it's like, okay, I'm going to just dart around the map and train up all my, everyone that's been introduced and do everything before part two. You really can't. Yeah, You might be able to, if you have like a save in a very particular location, like maybe 70% of the way through part one. But in the last like quarter of part one, you really don't have that option. So you can kind of like imagine you're in, you're playing Final Fantasy X and like you're stuck in a certain like cloistered trial. Or it'd be like, you're stuck in in here until part two or whatever. Just like like kind of a weird weird spot. Yeah, it's it's kind of, okay. So it's kind of weird because I think the item, I mean, the I think the level cap in the part one is 35. So you can't like go grind to the, level 99 and but i i haven't actually tested it yet but i wonder if you can just like grind your item cap to like 99 like say like if you can get like 99 heal stones in time for like part two if you wanted to do or something so i guess that'd be a way and i guess if you if you were committed enough you can like grind items then sell them i think i think you still have i wonder if you still have access to a vendor i don't know if you i think you do i think you do at uh the last place there's like a I, I was just thinking about something like from Final Fantasy VII. Do you remember there was this video back a long time ago where this one guy uh, decided to grind to level ninety nine in the bombing mission? Uh, I'm uh, I don't know that particular video, but I'm not surprised that someone's yeah. done that. Yeah, and, I was just thinking that you guys are doing the same thing with Fantasia. Well, they're they're smart and they uh they cap it. They like yeah. hard cap where you can't go any higher. But but you can only like so. You have you only have a limited slate of party members, less than half of what you have throughout the game. And I got all all those up to the 
part one level cap. I'm like, all right, that's really all the planning I can really do. Uh, Again, except yeah, for what I, Josh maybe, said. yeah, maybe that's what, what I'll do before, like, once you finally get a date or something or on part two, or like at least, you know, and then maybe try, try to like to remind myself how to play the game. That's what I'd like try to do the level cap stuff because you can still go and like do like the Mengen stuff, I imagine. Mm -hmm. So it's a. Uh, yeah, that's all we can really say at this point. It's a uh, it's it's a tough game to talk about now. <laughs> well, yeah, we kind of talked about it at length last podcast, so I don't want to like re-step over the same discussion points. But it was kind of just like late. Like when I was thinking of playing Fantasia earlier this year, I was expecting it to just be like a full release because that's kind of like how they marketed it as. And then late in the game, they're like, "By the way, it's two halves." So, all right then. Yeah, then I have doomed both of us to waiting at this state, while every while everyone else who are, who are smarter than us will just get the full thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the free three months, but I get like the trial one month. So maybe, yeah. and I was unlike you, you played on the Apple TV. I just played on my iPhone, and I actually had like a decent time with it. Probably the most time I put into a single game on my phone for whatever that's worth. But was it was really nice. Just put in a few hours before bed. Just. Running away or doing whatever. Now, now go download Oregon Show and play with me. Yeah, isn't I got it, my. Isn't uh, it, like, isn't it nice to even though you're obviously wasting? It's kind of a shame to have something like that split into two parts. In my mind, it's kind of it's always nice to have something to look forward to, like on the back burner. You know, like I can't think of a good example. Well, okay, like Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake Part Two. It's maybe years off. Who knows how long it's going to be? But like, it's kind of exciting that eventually it's going to be here. I don't know yeah, if that's kinda, like it's kind of it's kind of like a summer but... break between two seasons of a show or something. I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe maybe there's a middle ground between like I feel like the whole episodic thing has kind of kind of gone. It's no longer vogue. It kind of exists in the in the style of service game patch updates now. Uh, so this is I kind of like a weird middle ground where it's just like two big discrete parts. I, th I think it, I think it works better for for me like in some like genre games like hitman for example that when that got like an episodic release instead of everything at once i thought that worked really well for the structure of that game because it allowed but then they went back against it yeah and i think that's the the bummer part for me is like when they started to do full releases again which you know a lot of people like too but for me like it kind of forced everyone to like become more intricate and more intimate with this like map because that's the only thing available right now so like everyone got to like explore together at the same pace yeah like, i could see that's about this map well, it's like it's kind of like oh, go ahead sorry i mean huckleberry yeah because like in, while in rpgs like i i prefer to just like have everything available in one go like even though i kind of get what final fantasy 7 remake is going for and how like you know the, it ended up the way it did especially the way it concluded like it it sure in retrospect it may have been the right decision to have split it up but for me it's like i kind of just wanted the whole thing in one go because i that's how i consume rpgs how i consume games like i usually just play them in one big spurts let's say mm -hmm. apparently i do too considering how i played through uh trails from zero yeah it's like imagine but, uh, trails from zero you had to like you played well like, now that i think about it it does kind of it does kind of have that big split right in the middle huh they just call it two games mm -hmm. really makes you think. Mm -hmm. big brain but uh <laughs> I did also order like there's a, there's this attachment for iPhones called Backbone. It's basically just like a grip controller for it. And I ordered one and I got it, but I've already finished Fantasian. So now I'm kind of like, 
guys, what else can I use this for? I guess uh, other Apple Arcade games. Maybe I should look into GeForce Now. I think xCloud is in beta on iPhone. So now I got to think of like other ways. You have to, to justify like, your purchase now. Yes. Does that thing have Cold Steel 4? I mean, or free? I, like, I'm just saying a lot of streaming service has it. There you go. You can use it for uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3 and 4 on Stadia. There you go. There, there I go. Does Stadia have an iPhone app? I, I'm no, I know nothing about Stadia. I think, I think, I think it's <laughs> like uh, you have to go access it through a browser. I think that was the workaround they did for it. I don't ah. know if they ever, I don't know if they ever uh, made good on each other after the whole ah. debacle. Isn't this is like, kind of still, I'll go ahead. James. Isn't there like a workaround for like X Cloud streaming now or something? Probably people. Probably These are the things that. I have to learn. Yep, you have to know for science and report back. This isn't as big a deal, but I did mess a little bit with the Discord from mobile streaming. I was streaming Fantasian through Discord to uh, Adam here, and he actually said it like ended up looking okay. So I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Not as useful, but just kind of fun. So I guess with that stated, we got to go on to. Um, now I pick it from my hat. How about uh, how about Chow? You don't have anything listed here, but is there anything that you've been playing? Now you're obligated to come up with something. What have you been doing this week? I've been playing Saga Frontier. Oh, okay. I want to. I want to hear about uh, Saga Frontier. Well, me and Adam are playing the same game, technically. So, are we in like a two-in-one package? <laughs> yes. Well, okay. go for it. I like that. <laughs> well, how, how should I start with Saga Frontier? I always like to call it the, like the best, kind of like I don't know. I don't want to say it's Kusoge. It's fucking god tier for me, but. <laughs> It's like you're, a gonna to, you're, gonna so to, you're gonna need to define that for us normally. Kusoge is a is a term for Japanese game for trash game. That's what they call it. It's, it's, it's literally it's a shit game. Kuso shit game. Right. Game. It's like a abbreviation for Gabu game. But it's like a god tier game to me, right? It's so unbalanced. It's so broken, but yet it's so fun. It's like it's like the Marvel versus Capcom two of of RPGs. You yeah, know? Kusoge isn't meant to be like like you know it it. it the on like when people say kusoge that doesn't necessarily mean that like oh it's not fun like yeah like to me when i hear kusoge it's like it might be like a jank or like maybe oddly designed game maybe considered bad but like it's endearing but, japan janked yes yeah, it's very jank but it, it's amazing jank. that's kind of kind of how i see it right i mean you get like like stories from certain characters that have that their stories progress by waiting for assassination attempts, you know, from one character roots, right? It's like it's very obtuse, that's, right? That's a specific example, but it's actually kind of like how are the different ways that a video game will allow us to tell a story? Like that's why why can't waiting to be assassinated be a plot driver like progression to actually push a narrative? I actually kind of like that. It's thinking outside the box. Or like one, the character has absolutely no story, and you're just like, okay, well, what should I do in this whole game? Then, oh, well, maybe I just wander around, do whatever, right? So you have played Saga Frontier before, right? And you're revisiting remaster. So I was able to blitz through this game in pretty fast. Like I, I beat the Acellus route in day one in like basically five hours. Um, was it? Then a lot of the other routes I, I kind of beat in New Game Plus because, you know, a New Game Plus is a new feature in the remaster because I knew it's like, well, I never able to beat Loot's route before in the original because I just find his route was really boring because you're just wandering around or you decide to go to the last boss's location, which is right at the start of the game. It's like, oh, yeah, he has absolutely no story. This guy just could go right to the last boss right now. 
I think that's so like that, that's a, that's a big part of like this remaster too. It's like it, it's like it's kind of understated when like it's on a features list, but New Game Plus really transforms this game because think about back in the original on the PS One, where like every time you start a new route, you had nothing. You had to always start from uh, square one again on Saga Frontier, and that that's really like it really drains you, especially with like all these different routes, like uh, like yeah, and it, it does drain you because sometimes you'd be like, oh yeah, it's really hard to like spark or glimmer certain skills you'll be like oh yeah i finally learned uh was it uh blood sprinkler or life of spray now whatever right and you'll be like oh yeah if i start a new file will i, will I get the chance to glimmer the skill again it'll be like yeah you have to relearn everything again like like everything feels temporary in the original while on the remaster it's like okay i i glimmered the skill and it's like it's with me forever now i don't have to worry about it ever ever again because i could just transfer it over and like it to people who don't uh, haven't played saga like glimmering is like when you use a skill, there's a chance to learn a new skill after you use that skill, and then that, that's how you basically learn new skills is by there's a chance that you learn it after using a skill. Right. You just said yeah. skill like four times. I think yep. I said I don't get but it, but everything you said was true. <laughs> basically, if you want a character to be better, this is my understanding of the game, having only played Saga Scarlet Grace. But if you want a character to get better at, say, bows. You just have them keep using bows and using bow skills, and they'll slowly start learning stronger skills. And every time they do randomly, it's called glimmer or more. Yeah, seems like fans fans prefer the term sparking, but yeah, yeah, because that's what the fan translation fandom used to call it. Because they had no terms, right? They had no terms back then. It would be like, oh yeah, I just see like a light bulb in that dude, and they just call it sparking back then, right? There was no official terms for anything. The manuals don't really provide like good enough instructions for anything. So, Adam, uh, you've also been playing Saga Frontier Remastered, correct? Yep, I finished it completely. Did everything you could possibly do. Uh, so... How much time did that take? What's your hour count? Uh, let's see. One second. <laughs> okay, what was your hour count, Chow? What's my hour count? Well, the problem is it's really actually... Well, the, the truth is, it's really hard to put the hour count because if you leave it in the switch sleep mode, it counts as playtime. Oh shit! It's one of those games. Mm. Okay. Yeah, apparently that's still a thing in this age, right? Okay, well, 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 well I hate what's still your hour count. <laughs> well, like I, I can tell you, I can tell you a certain thing. I, I know that I beat a Salus route in six hours, but the problem is I left the switch on that day, so it added like twenty-seven <laughs> hours there. So, but my end playtime was like forty-two hours from clearing six different routes. I just haven't done one route, which is Riki's route. I really despise Riki's route in every <laughs> single version, and I still despise his route because I hate using monsters. Uh, he Riki's route is that you play as Riki, who is a monster. And in monsters, they work like, oh yeah, you need to find four skills by killing certain monsters. And if those four skills match his set, he'll transform into a different form. And it's very experimental. You don't know what does what without like a guide or if you just want to trial and error all day. It's like, let's just say you got the four gazes skill, you get the ultimate monster. But how would you know that? Would you try and collect every single gaze skill? And some of them, you know, could be locked to lower monster ranks. So so once you get through a certain part, you will never be able to fight like those really weak monsters to get those certain skills, right? And you can you can like it feels like you can like permanently screw up Ricky too if you do the wrong thing. Yeah, sometimes. but you know, like now there's new game plus now you don't have to worry yeah. about the low battle ring and you can fight the weaker monsters. You could be like, Oh yeah, I'll just start a new game and fight those weaker monsters to get those skills, well, right? And, and and yeah, and one of the one of the 
<laughs> there's a weird thing to say, but one of the bigger like additions to this game is like you actually have like a scenario log with you and I'll actually tell you. Like, well, hey, the biggest addition to this game is a Celsus route because a lot of her content was cut. Oh, in yeah. The I, mean, original. I, mean, I mean, quality of life wise, but in terms uh, of quality like, of life wise, there's fast forward. You could set it to three times battle speed, but the game defaults to two at most. You had to go to the option setting and want to go three times. Every JRPG needs turbo mode now. Yeah, they they there's no two times. I mean, there's no free times on default. You're not allowed to set it unless you go to option two to switch it to free times before it lets you do it for some reason. Yeah, so you have the fast forwarding, you actually have like now a thing that tells you, hey, uh, the you, stats? Need do, you need to do this and do this next. And like you what you were getting at earlier is like the the development of this game originally back in the day was like it was very rough and had to be rushed to like release. So a lot of things got cut. Well, the well, process. the thing is, um, Josh, there's, there's a lot of things that doesn't explain to you in, in Saga Frontier back then. Like, if you find a piece yeah. of equipment, it'll just say 20 defense, but you don't know what it does. Yep. It, like, you buy, like, in the beginning, in the Salus's route, there's a giant Kraken, and you have no idea how to kill it, because it probably in one-shot you, right? So what you need to do is find this armor, and this armor will resist water attacks, but the game doesn't say it resists water attacks. Yep. On the original, right? So in the new one, it'll be like, in this new remaster there'll be a description armor says it'll resist water attacks so now you know what you can use that armor for that's always the weird thing about like what do you think about i guess in parallel of like how saga and monster hunter have gone it's like their later iterations now like with the re-release of saga it's like here's a new feature we actually tell you how to play the game it's like cool thank you finally (laughs) but like quality life features they finally explain all the the stats like um there's also like the mystics like um you know their weapons could absorb monsters and you could use that bonus to boost them because they don't because when you're using mystics right they have no stat gains when they level up they only gain hp oh yeah uh, Uh uh, was it wp and jp so when you fight uh, monster, you need to absorb them with your mystic equipment to get stats. And in the original game, it doesn't tell you what that exact monster stats now. Now you have an actual like little grid in the side that tells you what that monster's bonus are. Uh, the only problem is if you play New Game Plus, you get the ability transferred, but you don't get the bonus for some reason. You don't get the stats? Yeah, you don't get the stat bonus oh, for some weird. reason. So you have to find and absorb those monsters again. <laughs> Well, they have to they have to make it difficult in one way or the other. Come on. Like I, I absorbed some dragons in my playthrough and got like thirty extra stats for a Celis and stuff, but you'll be like then I tried it again, it's like I don't get this bonus. Yeah, I don't want to make it too easy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we have new game plus. You could steal the ultimate sword in the beginning of the dungeon in this one place, right? Come on. Okay, so so like you know, talking about like the quality of life and like the the minute stuff, like relatively speaking, in Saga Frontier. But let's let's move on to like the big stuff. Like you know, obviously, a lot of the uh, uh, additions that they brought back that were originally cut was a lot of events from Acelus's route and the new fuse route. Like, uh, talk t- talk to me briefly about what they added in Acelus's route. Like, you know, obviously, try to dodge around spoilers if there's anything that can be spoiled. Really, these are pretty hey, simple stories. Well. And, and also, like they added a brand new playable character in this game. Just you know, that's that's pretty interesting to ta- think about as well. So ta- ta- tell me about those. So Asalis's what new content was how she can leave the first area because in the original game you only have one method to leave. This is to talk to a pilot and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I can get you out of here." And that was the original game, right? One of the cut content was there's another method to get out um 
I think what they said was the original method to get out was that you had to jump in the incinerator, get burned to death, even though they didn't die because they're mystics, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the... I'll take your word for it. That That's <laughs> basically the method to get out how they intended to. But now now they made it like, oh yeah, you they give you three different ways to get out. And there's also a third method to get out, which is you find these people that work for Trinity. Trinity is like this crime syndicate sort of thing or this really big corporation. And these guys are like, okay, I can help you smuggle out here. And there's a little small area you can navigate if you choose that third method. That's that's one of the new contents for Celsus Root. Um, the next one is all this other cut content that they never had in the original, which is you could get uh, Dr. Nikusan to join you. He's this mystic oh, doctor that mm-hmm. does all this creepy stuff in this back alley in Kuong. And you could get him to join the Celsus Root now. Um, this is new. Um, the problem is that uh, all these characters kind of join near the end of her game. It's like, I guess during development they didn't want to shoehorn in the middle game because they'd probably feel like oh yeah we if we implement all this new feature in the middle of the game it might screw us up so they probably just decide oh yeah we're just going to add all this new content does it does it feel like it does it feel to feel too bolted on or does it like make a celsus route better um i wouldn't say add it i wouldn't say it's better it feels a little shoehorned because it just kind of implemented not very well i think in my opinion because it doesn't like implement it within the story it feels like like you can completely miss all this new content like completely right right like the first time so, I feel, it, so, so it feels kind of like teched on the end well yeah. i say that but you did talk about how at the how at the beginning they went with this idea the based on the way you described it of more breadth than depth where it's just like it's the same story beat of trying to escape but we're going to give you different options we're going to we're going to we're going to go horizontally not vertically there but but then they but then you're saying near the end they start adding a bunch of characters and stuff that feels maybe less less good yeah like the problem is is just like how it's implemented like like it's implemented in the post game so you can like completely miss it like the first time i beat the game i completely missed it i'm like mm. it's like hey wasn't there new content <laughs> it's like <laughs> so i had to go Greatest back marketing told me there was new stuff so or i had to it? go back and do it it's like oh shit it's like i completely missed it the first time right so it's like you can completely miss also no oh, yeah I, I would probably miss it too then if you missed it right so it's like it's like it's kind of dumb it's like you go to the bio lab it's like you just couldn't get the treasure chest but now it's like in the post game now the story's finally there right so now you're like it's too easy to miss adam tell me about fuses route uh i want you to speak up about like the the way fuses route is implemented is unique to the other routes because it feels like it's one of those things that you gradually unlock more of the more you play i believe so basically i'm not even sure if we established this properly at this at the top here but soccer frontier at the start of the game you pick between seven characters and each character has its own story and they're all in the same world but they kind of start at different spots their story goes in different directions. The characters you can recruit um, are not always the same from character to character, you know, because it kind of just depends on who's around and who's available, right? Um, and they're, they, the storylines are different. Their final bosses are different. So it's, it's basically like seven individual stories in the same world with a little bit of overlap here and there. There is no, like, true ending. There is no, like, everyone teams up 
and fights the actual final boss at any point, nothing like that. Um, so they I, apparently Fuse was originally meant to be one of the characters, but was never implemented. So they decided to implement him as a character, although it's not quite the same as what his original intent was going to be. So Fuse works a little bit differently than the rest. Instead of having his own like unique storyline, kind of like the other seven characters, what Fuse is is basically a alternate version of each of the seven other characters. So in a sense, it's almost like seven more routes rather than just one more route. When you pick Fuse as your character, the game will actually randomly select one of the other seven characters, provided that you beat their route already, to, and basically do their route again, only it's like fused up this time. It's like now it's, you know, Fuse is along for the ride and it's changed um, in ways. It, it kind of, they follow kind of the same story beats, but it's just kind of like a what if, what if Fuse is here and messed everything up sort of deal. And it even ends with like the same kind of final boss. <laughs> like for so example, like a remix, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, for example, in Ricky's route, Ricky is collecting these rings. And so Ricky's route, what his route involves, and we were, you were talking earlier about how each character's kind of like story progression is a little bit different. Ricky's route, he's collecting these rings. And you can collect most of them in any order. So it's basically like a bunch of quests that you do. For example, you stop a possession of a girl who's being like possessed by a ghost, and you get a ring there. There's another ring you get by, um, uh, what is it? You early on in the storyline, you are basically stopping like a crime syndicate in the city of Scrap, and you get a ring there, and so on. And there's like eight of them. What Fuse's route is, it's actually kind of amusing, is that Fuse like accidentally stumbles across all these rings and starts collecting them. And you actually have like Ricky in the background. Like you see these little clips of them trying to get the rings, but they're always just like one step behind. It's like, why, where are all these rings going? We're missing them all. Cause <laughs> they don't realize that Fuse is getting them before they can. <laughs> so it's kind of like this amusing thing. Like they're always one step behind. Um, and then eventually it sort of comes to an end where like they meet and then it sort of like follows the Ricky story route ending after that in a way only Fuse is there. But that's kind of the idea is that it's sort of like the same route only mixed with Fuse in there. And Fuse is a fun character because he's sort of like this. His his name is actually not Fuse. That's a nickname. He's kind of like a hothead. And that's why he's called Fuse. And he's kind of like, he's not necessarily like a bad person, but he's, he just kind of gets upset and aggravated and frustrated really quickly. And he's sort of a, uh, that's a, hence his name and his hothead personality. But he's kind of like endearing in a way. It's like, um, like it's like his like kind of background. He's like he's an investigator. So like yeah. you, like when you do his route, like you got these. So like how it chooses like in the context of the stories, like yet like these case files. Yeah, that's that's the context of his stories. Yeah. Like he he has these case files. It's like, um, this case file has something to do with these rings, and he doesn't know what they're about. But he starts like investigating, so he starts collecting the rings, mm. and that's actually Ricky's case. And then there's. There's this case file about this missing girl who was ran over by a carriage and disappeared, and that's a Celis. So you start a Celis's route only with Fuse, and so on. So really, to complete the game fully, really, you basically do seven character routes and then seven Fuse routes. With New Game Plus, yeah, you, we, we these second that. routes, can you, you can do them pretty darn quickly if you if all your characters are like all powered up from your earlier playthroughs and you're just kind of going through the story and mainlining it you can beat some of these routes in like 
sometimes an hour, but sometimes even like just 20 minutes. It they're, They can be pretty short. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing this without New Game Plus because it'll be just like, oh yeah, there's this this little story in the pro- prologue and last boss. So, so I, I guess uh, my one question is when it comes to Fuse's route, is since it does it randomly, is there like a weird frustrating cases where like say I have like five character routes done and I want to do Fuse's route, uh, will it actually cycle through them uniquely? So like if I do it, uh, if I do three three of fuses routes out of the five would ever choose those three i chose again or will it actually lead towards more of the ones that it hasn't done yet you you don't have to worry it's i don't know why it made it random rather than you can just select it but like for example i did the red version or the i should say the fuse red route first and then that route from what i can tell will never show up again once you've completed it as you go for the, the other fuse routes so like it'll now randomly select between the ones you haven't done yet. Okay, so, so it won't it won't like have reselect it and then you have yeah. To... It's not like it's, you you won't be in a situation where it's where it's like I want to do the the fuse Amelia route, but it keeps giving me the other ones you know that I've already done. Like it won't it won't do that. Okay. The weird thing is, and this is just like a footnote, but I don't know why they did it this way. Is once you beat all the fuse routes, and if you want to play another one, like you pick you pick fuse again. Then you can select which one you want to replay. Like, why okay. can't? Why can't you just do this at the beginning? I don't okay. understand. Sure, oh, whatever. <laughs> like, what a weird I don't know why you did it this way. <laughs> um, one comment I have. One comment I have about uh, this kind of in general. You're talking about like saga games not being explained too well is kind of one of their almost one of their characteristics. A lot of that actually stems from Akatoshi Kawazu. He first got into these sort of games. Um, him and other people of his like generation are basically like Westaboos playing stuff like Wizardry and Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know these guys were skipping college to play these games, yeah, no, seriously, that's what they were. They were um, you know skipping college to play these sorts of games. And I believe Kawazu even said in an interview, like trying to play Dungeons and Dragons without understanding English, like they can't read the rule book. So how does this work? And they just sort of kind of figure it out. And a kind of, apparently this sort of saga discovered on your own sort of deal that kind of stems from that philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether or not that's good or not, I think it's actually kind of interesting, but that's that pretty cool. That is sort of just like, hey, you just got to sometimes you just have to try things and figure it out. And sometimes you might mess up, but that's OK. Just try it again. And eventually well, it's like, the same thing with the Soul series, too, where uh, Miyazaki is basically saying that he has these english books that you couldn't read and just kind of make the story kind of vague i do i do remember that yeah just kind of like pretend like kind of imagine the story in your head instead and try to piece it together based on visuals and things like that and so maybe so i'm interested uh adam uh since you know you've been ever since scarlet grace you've been going through older saga games after that you've been through romantic saga 2 romantic saga 3 now, Saga Frontier, uh, how do you feel? Where, where does Saga Frontier rank in your uh, Saga catalog now? So I like Romancing Saga 3 quite a lot. Um, saga Scarlet Grace has the best combat system out of any of the Saga games I've played. It's honestly one of the best turn-based co- combat systems that's ever existed, to be honest. So it's a pretty high bar. Romancing Saga 3, I think, had a really good balance of exploration going anywhere just doing what you want discover it on your own and it avoided like for example nothing in romancing saga 3 is like missable so you can 
you don't have to worry about if I explore in this direction, but not in this direction, am I going to miss out on anything? You know, there's no FOMO. You, you always know you can loop around and return to it. And that's kind of just a nice thing to know when you're playing it is that yeah, it's like everything is mind. Yeah. Like you're, you're never going to like, Oh, you picked the wrong route and now you're never going to ever get this thing. Wow. Or, you know, that's not the case. Um, but I'm just going to say this is wow, because it's like, this is going to be a bad thing for second frontier too. <laughs> when Adam starts, because <laughs> every time well, it's like you do this one place, it's always like a one-time explore area. Once you miss it, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with Saga Frontier is I like it a lot, and it shares, of course, a lot of the same DNA. There are moments in it, though, that are kind of awkwardly constrained and a little bit frustrating. For example, early on in Red's route, you are on the airship, and the airship gets attacked by a bunch of monsters. And it's pretty early on in his route, and it's actually kind of tough. And at that point, you don't have that many characters on your team. And if you didn't explore earlier, and like gain a couple of stats for red red can you can enter that section of the game underpowered and with like really low hp where monsters might be able to just one shot you and game over and there are ways around it and you can recruit a few people on the airship to help yourself but it's it's just kind of this weirdly like frustrating part of this game that you can't in in like for example in romancing saga 3 if you ever go to an area and you're like wow this area is kind of tough you can always leave and do something else and then come back. So you never felt like I am stuck here. Where in Romancing Saga or in Saga Frontier, there are moments where it's like, all right, I am now within this sort of storyline, what's the word? Uh, interactive moment that I have to complete this moment first before it lets me like back out onto the world. And so there are a few moments like that where it's like, all right, now I got to get over this barrier or this hump and maybe I entered in a poor state that you have to get through it Saga, before Saga Frontier is yeah. its own we graph moment. Yeah, exactly. It's like that. Um, but that's, I still really like the game, honestly, quite a lot. And I feel like with some time uh, separated from it, I've actually kind of appreciated it more uh, since I've beaten it. But there are just some moments like, like that where it's like, this is admittedly a little bit frustrating. Well, to be honest, one other thing that I was actually stuck there too. Sorry? I was actually stuck in the pirate ship, too. I felt with all my new game plus equipment, I didn't have to worry. But these monsters were still one-shotting me because there was like four people ganging up on one person. Yeah. Um, You were talking about quality of life before. There's actually one element that I'm having a hard time reconciling how you would play the original version of this. In the original version of Saga Frontier, you cannot flee battles. (laughs) And... There are moments in the game, so the, the game does not, I don't think any Saga game has random encounters. Um, maybe the original ones on Game Boy, I'm trying to, I played them, I don't actually remember. Um, but the, uh, there are some places in this game where there's like a high density of enemies in a crowded area. And so you can run into, sometimes there's actually even moments where the game is kind of being an asshole and it's like, there's 10 enemies here and you kind of got to get through them all. And in uh, the remaster, you can literally just flee from all of them. And if you accidentally run into an enemy, it's just like, whoops, I don't want to fight you and just flee and run away. Where in the older, in the original version, I never played the original version like like uh, Chow did, but you couldn't flee. And I'm just sort of imagining like you had to fight all these battles. That's yeah. kind of tedious. Um, 
because there are there are definitely moments in the game where just like there's just like funneling enemies at you, and that's annoyed me in other classic games like um like Tales of Destiny and for uh, original for Saga Frontier is rough in comparison, man. You should... and some of the Romancing Saga two is similar, but even Romancing Saga two you could flee. It, yeah. it affected your battle rank, but you could flee. But it's like you can't even flee. It, like I'm just trying to reconcile. Like, yeah, you had to fight them all in the original version. You couldn't flee. You had to, you know, spend your WP and hopefully didn't lose too much LP. And it's certainly a quality of life addition that I abused the heck out of. For example, um, in Saga games, your HP heals at the beginning of every battle. So functionally, what that means is you do not have to really manage your HP from battle to battle as long as you there's don't there's die. there's no long-term attrition yes basically. but the long-term attrition where it comes from is from your skill points which is called wp and so effectively you want to get to a boss monster at the end of some dungeon area with some wp in mind in hand so you can use your good skills against them right in the original game i imagine you had to you actually had to balance this a bit like all right there's a bunch of these fights in the way and you kind of want to get through them without spending all your WP, but of course, the less you spend, the harder they are. Now, in this game, I actually, what I would do, and this is maybe cheap, but it allows me to do it, so I'm going to do it, is just, all right, I want to get to the end of this dungeon. I'm going to flee from every single battle I possibly can, and then get to the boss with my full WP set and just basically use all my strongest skills as much as many times as I want, because I just, I saved up for the boss, and you can do that now. Well, so, haven't we all played a Final Fantasy game or other game where you just build up your limit break meters before getting to the boss? Right. Like it's kind of like I just played. I just I I uh, I rested at the end in trails from zero to get max CP before fighting some of those uh, high chest monsters. It's just it's just strategy. I actually remember in uh, I think it was Cold Steel. I think it was Cold Steel three on the train. You can take a shower and that like raises your CP to a hundred each time you do, and it's free. And I remember there was like a tough like mini boss monster that you could refight in some of the areas that gave you a lot of experience. And the way that Trails experience works is sort of a, the 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 more of a gap there is between your experience levels, you can kind of get a really boosted amount. And I would literally like go to the train, take a few showers, go to the boss monster and spam your your limit breaks or whatever, your S crafts, and then go back to the shower, do it again. <laughs> just you know well, like, I, abusing, I, I, I abusing your resource management. Yeah, I didn't want to go on a complete tangent, but just like we've all like been like you know i don't know what you call like just be a bastard and just hoard all of your uh all of your skill points or overdrives or limit breaks or whatever until until the boss and then you just let them all go azu back then was like no 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 no, not not for my games nope (laughs) well how would i remember back on ps5 we just took that l and just like like, (laughs) yeah we're we're the dumbasses playing this game well you watch speedrunners playing sire frontier it's all about how can you dodge these monsters (laughs) how to dodge monsters yeah that's that that was the tech but that's cool now now with this remaster i wonder how speedrunners are going to play this game it's like now you get fully battles but it's gonna be it's gonna be so fast that's that's but it looks it sounds so cool now to see this game, you know. But like it just seems like one of the most like I guess relatively speaking, ambitious remasters in a sense, because they brought back so like so much of that deleted content or cut content, along with a lot of quality of life to like, you know, make it more appealing to today's, you know, uh audience. But, but 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 not like, you know, it doesn't sacrifice really what makes a saga game a saga game, I say. Saga front. I mean, I was gonna say Saga fans keep winning. 
we got news for more games coming soon eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, say more on more on that later. So who has been left out? Uh we have James and George. I want to hear from George because I feel like uh we haven't given him a lot of chance to talk. So uh, my my one's only a short you... one. Um uh I guess it's more of a public service announcement than anything. The I can't talk about what I've been playing. Um maybe maybe next week. Ooh, tease. But what I have been playing that I can talk about is Disco Elysium even more because we I think it must have been two days after we did the podcast last week. Uh they fixed it. It's fixed. Like it's it's not perfect. Um in the perfect state there's still there's still one glitch I know about and it's a visual glitch and that is it. It's the car. It still looks like it still looks really smooth for some reason, but when when you consider that when it first launched, I didn't even want to get through it. I didn't even want to play it. And now it's just like, huh, this car looks kind of funny. Like, I'm so happy. So, so happy. Like, now I can finally say, um, and you'll be probably able to read that in the next week or so, uh, it's totally worth it. Perfect. Amazing. So, the best games voice, played in years. voice lines are working right. Uh, interactions yep. working right. Yep. The All car in has one. a texture now. Huh? Does it? The car has a texture now. Apparently, oh, I think he apparently did. patch one point oh five hit PS five like earlier today, and oh, people and are reporting that the car has a texture now. Yeah, the car has a texture. See, no issues now. <laughs> I, I can't think. I'm Terrible. sure there are. I'm sure there are glitches. I'm sure like every game has glitches. There's no game. I can't think of a single game that has zero glitches. But like, there's no more progression bugs. There's no more. I, there wasn't any stuttering when I was playing it. Kim kind of weirdly goes sometimes like at a lower frame rate so it looks a bit funny but like when, when you get into that level where it's like i i was willing to excuse a game when it like barely worked i was like no this is still amazing like i'd still recommend it and now it's like fully 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 playable um and now i can like say about any guilt uh part of me feels like i should now say i wasn't waiting for the game to be fixed to review it i wasn't sat there like no i must i must give it like the perfect score uh, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> but it just sort of mm. happened. I was I was midway through writing it, and then these updates came out. I was like, oh, cool. It'd probably be like a little bit smoother. Maybe you know, maybe it's worth going to check them I out. Mean, I was like, oh, easy to be around. I was like, you know, in a, in a paragraph, just say like, you know, you know, I had, I had a rocky launch, but you know, thankfully there were like some, like you know, quick fixes to it that now, you know that the game is not at like an amazing state that that it should have been. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a shame. It, it's a shame in some ways that my first playthrough will always be that one where I was like a little bit nervous about stuff crashing but I don't think you know I, I don't think it took away from my experience all that much like personally like I only had one glitch myself well, you, you were, me, which, you which were glowing excusing, about it last week yeah yeah that was that was a fantastic discussion on it like and my thoughts are still exactly the same um if not stronger because I, I'm still thinking about it it's still been two weeks since it's launched um i haven't finished my second playthrough yet because i'm doing it on hardcore and there's there's a point in the game where you need to pass one skill check and that is that is the game saying like no go do the side stuff you can't just even though i've got like a pretty high level for the one skill it needs um adam might know what i'm talking about uh it's not a spoiler you just need like a high shivers rank to get into this building or to like even think about this building R um, remind me, what is it? What does it mean to play Disco Elysium on hardcore? Uh, it basically just makes things like like skill checks a lot harder. 
um uh, and usually that's not an issue like usually it's like okay i, I failed a skill check like where will the game take me next but there are because the story keeps going examples yeah 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 like there are a few examples where it's stuff like you unless i've missed it that there is a possibility i've missed it where i'm pretty sure in this instance you need to pass this skill check um and the way it works obviously percentage based so i could just save it and be like oh you know there's a four percent four percent chance i'm gonna get this <laughs> but like I'll just keep going until I get it, but I'd I'll, I'll I'll just go do the side stuff again. I'll like purposefully be a dick, make it funny, but yeah, like so I'm so happy. Um, and if you if you had told me a year ago that George would be playing Disco Elysium <laughs> a second time on hardcore mode in early yep. 2021, I'd be like, nah, not not our George. No, you exactly, not our George. They grow up so fast. <laughs> uh, it, it is my favorite game of the year. But what does having a, a car texture fix do with the game? Sorry, I never played this series before. So, oh, what okay. makes a car um, texture it, so important? It doesn't. It was just yeah, like one of the last glaring issues. Yeah. So the car, it it doesn't like really matter, but it it's come it comes like an important story moment. You got to like walk past it and see it as a car. You have to see it as something that you need to interact with. Um, and without the texture, it just kind of looks a bit weird and a little bit funny. So. You know, it, it's more of like a, I can't think of a good comparison, but it, it's no, just fixed. Exactly. It looks, I, I it looks like one. a car. I can think of one. It, you yeah. should all be able to think of one comparison. A certain uh, door. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Not the no. door. I mean, I'll make it easy for Chow. All right. Imagine Chow, you're facing the Saga Frontier boss, but the, uh, the boss's face is just uh, neon green. And that's it. There's no features on that boss's face. It's just neon green. I think actually a better kind of functional example is in Disco Elysium, this car that you see it, you're very obviously, when you see it, you're like, I need to interact with that. Like, it's clearly a thing that is there deliberately. Whereas if it's, if there's no textures there, you might not even realize that it's something you're supposed to touch and interact with. It's just like a background thing, maybe. Mm. It's like an adventure game or like a point and click where there's some element like, wait, I didn't realize I could touch this or interact with this because it's not obvious that I can. So I think yeah. there actually is like a functional issue there rather than just it looks funny. As well as that, before this, before they fixed the texture, there was already like issues with that car. That car houses, not only is it like a really cool story moment that's like developed your character and your relationship with Kim, it's also, you know, it has stuff in there that you need um, or, or you don't, you, you don't need it. You don't like need some stuff in the game, but it's like better that you have it. Um, it makes things easier. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like the body where it's a it's a clear story moment, but I guess technically the game allows you to ignore it if yeah, you want yeah. to. I guess the the worst repercussion of that is that if if you didn't know that it was like like Adam saying, if you didn't know you need to interact with it, you just miss it. So like for personally, like I I'd heard about the glitch, I'd heard like where it is and what to look out for so it's sort of all right for me and there's a fix to get around like not being being able to interact with it uh, before like these most recent patches but now it's just like it's a non-issue now uh according to james like i but yeah go play disco elysium and with that we are left with james yep um so i played more of kingdom hearts 3 on pc this week i'm almost done with it uh, about to start the dlc probably later today because um Ooh. i've been kind of rushing through it i've been just uh bum rushing it skipping all the cutscenes except for uh Vanitas. <laughs> uh 
Um, <laughs> funniest thing in the entire Kingdom Hearts series, that one cutscene. It's so weird. It's such a good cutscene. I'm not. I'm not going to interrupt. But like the the power of Kingdom Hearts kind of compelled me. But like there are some, there are some like dopey scenes. But I think Kingdom Hearts Three has some like really fantastic cutscenes, and it has like. I'd say it has some of the funniest moments in the series. Anyway, James, go on. Before I, before I don't, I can't be stopped. But yeah, the PC port is very good. Uh, I've definitely played long enough that I can say that technically it's like basically perfect. Um, I haven't had any crashes. I've put like 20 hours into it. Uh, obviously, playing it on a really high-end rig. I've uh, been running it at 4K, almost max settings. It can... It can stay above 60 FPS at all times at max settings, but like knocking down shadows and SSR a notch along with volumetrics. I can't see the difference, but the frame rate's usually above 100, so definitely worth it. <laughs> um, I still need to check it out a little bit, probably in the Pirates world, because that is the most stressful like part of the game. For, I was like, just going to ask you that, yeah. Uh, going to check that out on my laptop later, because I do intend to write up like an actual PC port review once I'm done. And I need to make sure I have like I test on my laptop just so I can be like, OK, so I've tested on two different configurations, that sort of deal. Um, yeah, it, it's good. It's been nice going back to uh, 14. Uh, I didn't play it on PS4 after the critical update came out. So it's been nice to just be like, OK, I'm going to turn off attractions. Yes. <laughs> So I did that, and um, I've been boring because one of the key, well, the Keyblade you get for the PC version, Elemental Encoder, is kind of OP because it can somewhat randomly just give you a free, like, uh, high level spell for you to cast. Oh, so sounds great. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I, I've basically been using the same Keyblade for the entire game because it's like, well. I can just. I don't, like, don't want to give up the free spell. Yeah, that's typical it, PC gamers always cheating and hacking their way through games. To be fair, James, I will say this: the oh, I sound like you then. That's that's what you say. <laughs> um, the keyblade that I would recommend is uh, you can't get them anyway until you either find all of the hidden Mickey's or you complete the game on critical. Like the two keyblades there, uh, if Keeper and Oblivion, they are the best. Uh, combined with like all the combo changes they made, it's just like. It makes it makes a, a tear come to my how good that game is now. Yeah, it's a really, really good game. I've been vastly enjoying my time going through it again. Uh, it's a very beautiful game. I will say one thing that's kind of this is definitely a nitpick. It's like first world problem. Some of the texture quality in the game is a bit weird because <laughs> going from playing something like Monster Hunter World with the HD texture pack, because I've been kind of playing a bit on my uh, new rig to see like how it looks 4k and then going to kingdom hearts 3 it's like there's some textures that look really good but there's a surprising number of textures in the game that even on the max texture resolution are pretty blurry <laughs> i don't know um yeah having fun with it I haven't gone to remind yet i'm excited for it because i didn't play it on ps4 so it's going to be all new to me uh, i was actually going to ask like have you played all of kingdom hearts 3 or just the base game or what's your history with the series so i guess i don't think when i think of James, that sounded a bit weird, but whatever. But I think of you, James. I don't think of you as a Kingdom Hearts person. Like, but have you played? He, all he wants your he wants your Kingdom Hearts resume. Yes, 
I've uh, played all the Kingdom Hearts games except for Chain of Memories and um, Mobile games over two days. Have you um, played Dream Drop Distance? Yes. What did okay, you think? Then you uh, you have you have that on me because that one I just skipped. And then when I see the plot synopsis, I'm like, I'm good. I actually saw that too. It's not, not that bad. Gameplay wise, it's fun, but like the story is. Uh, dude, you're missing out on Neku, dude. Best yeah, part of that true. game. It is. That's true. Sometimes, sometimes I do have to be reminded that uh, uh, World Ends with You like had that appearance <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts. Like yep. I know I, about I, it, but I, I just don't consciously think of it. I'm still not entirely unconvinced that there's not going to be some random Kingdom Hearts connection in Neo. I I, I swear, it, I I have a feeling that's going to happen. Did they already got rid of all the Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts Three? I remember. In well, they came back. They came back. But barely. In Remind, they have a small role. Yeah. Also, but, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait for the character. How hmm? dare you? I said Neku, not a Final Fantasy character. How yes. dare you? No. <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait for the Nomura Kingdom Hearts World Ends with You Final Fantasy Megaverse no, Cinematic no. Universe. <laughs> oh my god. Get, get away from World Ends. <laughs> so George legitimately <laughs> excited. Tearing up. <laughs> and George is like, oh my god. <laughs> I would honestly detest that. Yeah, that's, that's but, my MCU. Yeah, it's it's a really good port. Um, I did kind of say that the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean world is where the game struggles the most. I'd say that most of the game I hover like above a hundred FPS. Um, the Pirates world, it's more like around eighty to ninety FPS, which is still like obviously yeah. way more playable. But uh, yeah. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Personal <laughs> problems. <laughs> oh, my game's not running at 70 FPS. Well, there's always <laughs> like well, there's always like a section of a game I feel like that is kind of like incredibly only, like, compared to the rest. If I don't have the FPS counter on, I do notice it, but it's not something that stands out to me that much. The only reason I've been keeping track of it is because I am going to write impressions about the PC port, and it's like I I, I want it. It's noteworthy. It's something I should mention. Due diligence. Yeah. yeah, I like that. But um, yeah, um, not a big surprise. It still, on average, runs like twice as fast as the uh, PS4 version did. Because like ugh, pirates uh, on the PS4, that was even on the Pro at 1080p. I, I, I swear those freaking crabs. <laughs> I crabs. I played. Uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but I played Kingdom Hearts three on a base PS4. And then, like, by the time by the time uh, Final Fantasy VII remake came out, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get a pro for this. Like, <laughs> this thing is struggling. So that's when I got it's my and, and I and, and I never I never revisited uh, Kingdom Hearts three with a uh, PS4 Pro. And then I got it on PC. I haven't played it yet. I'll, I'll squeeze it in between the Yakuza's at some point. I must be yeah. getting old, man. I, I thought that it looked great on the base PS4. It 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 does look pretty good. It's. I can, maybe not performance wise, but the fact that they were able to tailor Unreal Engine to that art style as well as they did, I think is actually pretty good. Pretty cool. I think the most impressive thing about Kingdom Hearts 3 is how, like, obviously it's been a thing even since the series inception to have like character designs and slight like art styles for each of the worlds be a little bit different depending on like which Disney world we're in. Yeah. But it's they really I, I feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 is the first game in the series that actually realized it. Sora in uh, Caribbean world, the way that they made it like not photorealistic, but they shifted it in that direction, but not, not in a way that made it like awkward or unappealing. But they just kind of like reimagined what it would look like. And I thought that actually like compared to 
their effort in the PS2 game, which ended up looking pretty drab. Oh, uh, mention, uh, not to mention how Sora looks like a toy in the uh, Toy Story yeah. world, and he looks like oh, a monster yeah. in the monster world. It's like, that's what I mean by they fully realized it there, because it's like, you, you had bits and pieces of it, like the uh, the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas world in previous games, but never really to never really to the same extent as you see in Kingdom Hearts 3. I think so. th- hearing you say that, like, not not to turn this into Kingdom Hearts podcast, but like, it reminds when we used to, yes, I got my way. Um, I, I remember when they used to do those trailers, they used to do those trailers like every E3 and every like game event. Um, I remember the one where they did, they did one at the Xbox event, which was showing off Frozen. That was like, oh, cool, but I didn't really care for Frozen. I was like, yeah. And then they did the one at the Sony event and it opened up with them in the Pirates graphics. I think that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, like Kingdom Hearts 3 is real and it's happening soon. Like that. I just, I have very I, fond memories of it trailers and just being in tears <laughs> and i remember that summer they had like different splices of that trailer yeah. like five yeah. and a, they had like five in a month and a half because like one i forget if it was xbox or sony but they had one square enix's own presentation had one they had a different one for the concert yeah and then they had like another different one and so like every single time it was like this trailer starts the same but i bet there's 10 seconds of different footage at the end (laughs) (laughs) uh so i i I feel for people like adam who had to like cover those be like how does x trailer differ from y trailer different from c trailer different from (laughs) w trailer i've run out of letters I think I think the biggest missed uh, opportunity of this Kingdom Hearts overall, when you're talking about graphical enhancements, is that we'll never get like a truly realized, like, uh, like modern model of Kurt Ziza. Oh yes, Kurt Ziza. Where 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 is Kurt Ziza now? How's he doing? I want to I want to see Kurt Ziza again, man. I'm, I miss him. I kind of like that Kingdom Hearts one. Just had like they had obviously Kurt Ziza was wholly original. He was like a he was like a name in the game uh contest winner and then they had like the neverland ghost bell tower boss just like another original boss (laughs) well yeah well maybe the boss fight itself is sucky but like it doesn't always have to be like how does this guy tether into the future of the series oh no it's like (laughs) we just had an idea and we ran with it like like that's all it is like it doesn't have to be like oh my god i'm i'm at the end of birth by sleep and i'm fighting another hooded organization member or, or whatever <laughs> how does he how does he tie in or i forgot or, that parts three even have a sephiroth like super boss fight not it, no sephiroth. it had a um yeah. raging inferno yeah. it, it, it's monkey's paw oh yeah it was just like a big heartless right yeah that's you're, you're like oh yeah it's nice that they do original designs and then monkey paw curls it's like kingdom hearts 3 the epic conclusion you have nameless really bad heartless boss fight it's like mm-hmm. oh man all right. There, okay. There's there's also a, you don't just have to be original standalone. There's also a certain bar you have to reach. <laughs> but then, of course, Remind decides to go completely opposite direction and introduces a whole bunch of wacky, off the wall, wild shit, for lack of a better phrase. So, James will get to enjoy that soon. Yep. Well, I have been spoiled a little bit on it because. Um... I think I mentioned in the past that I don't really care too much about the Kingdom Hearts storyline, but unfortunately I understand it because uh, there's a group of people I follow on Twitter that are huge like nerds about the lore and stuff. And every so often I, 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 I Kingdom Hearts outsider perspective. <laughs> 
<laughs> just they argue about the lore, and I see the conversations, and it's just osmosis. It just like a sponge; it gets sucked the, up, the, and it's the, like, the, "God damn it, Namura!" Uh, I, I feel like I understand. I feel like I feel like I understand most of Kingdom Hearts, but then, like when you get to the mobile stuff, I'm like, actually, never mind. Don't uh, worry; don't... not even Kingdom Hearts fans understand the no the uh, mobile stuff. But yeah. I saw like some people who were like legitimately. I saw I saw a few people, which you know, cool for them or whatnot. But they were legitimately excited for. There was this announcement that like the end of the mobile game, they delayed the shutdown for it, and it's like going to be split into two parts. And they're like legitimately like theory crafting, like what's going to happen? Like the first part is like this, and the second part is this. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, like the the very end of Kingdom Hearts three, without ever without talking about what it is, I'm like, I have the faintest idea of what is going on, but I'm I'm along yeah, for the I was ride. A bit, to be fair. Okay, okay. If George was confused, then I feel all right. Yeah, <laughs> I had mode. to Google it straight away, and I I I, I blitz through that game when. when Hold like, on, let me, let me get my flip phone uh, to that oh, that's recoded game, and let me <laughs> tell you what happened. <laughs> I still can't believe that they made coded actually somewhat important in Kingdom Hearts three. Why? It was like the one game. Fucking. It was like the one game you could like skip, and that's like, well, hmm. no. What if <laughs> so you? What if you were told that you could skip recoded? But Namura was like, "Ha ha, Dark Cube." <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, this has just been the week of Square Enix uh, bullshit with me. So uh, the Final Fantasy XIV patch came out, uh, 5.5. Yep. Um, it's kind of been lonely not talking about 14 on the podcast because there was like that, like last year, that section of like two months where I just had nothing to talk about but my daily escapades in uh, Final Fantasy XIV. So this is the first half of the final patch for 14. Uh, well, final story content patch. The yeah, for Shadowbringers. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, so ends off on a cliffhanger. We're gonna have more information with 5.55 whenever that comes out. I'm guessing that's in like eight weeks, something like that. And then that's it, no more story content until Endwalker comes out later this year. So for all intents and purposes, like besides like a few story scenes are going to be added in a couple like months time, Shadowbringers is finished. Like everything that they had to add has been added. Every like bit of content that they promised or or they've most recently promised is now out and it's interesting to think about. Um so how's your overview of the game as a whole? That's um question. Shadowbringers. That's a loaded question. I feel like all encompassing. I feel like Shadowbringers has the best base game story in the uh, in fourteen. I'd say up through five point three, the story is really good. But five point four and five point five story, I don't know how to feel about yet. But granted, the pacing I've experienced with five point four and five point five is different than the pacing I experienced for literally the rest of the game. So maybe I would feel different about it if I hadn't played it when the patches came out and I immediately like moved into like Endwalker and I didn't have to right. like, I get, worry I about get waiting. So I'm I'm kind of leaning on that. I do have some issues with the storytelling because like they announced this big bad at the end of 5.4 and it's like, oh man, is that going to be part of the next? No, you kill him at the end of 5.5. 5. 
Oh, and it's like, oh, that's a that was a that's a bit of a waste. Uh, generally, I feel like and this is definitely going to be a hot take. Looking back on it, I think that Stormblood's side content is better than Shadowbringers because Stormblood you had a deep dungeon in um, the uh, tower. Um, you had Eureka. You had the Four Lords uh, storyline. You had two um, Ultimate Trials. You you had the Rathalos trial, which was like actually decent, like crossover content. <laughs> Whereas with Shadowbringers, like the side content that they've added over time, it's not bad, but it definitely feels like a step down because there's no deep dungeon. There's only one Ultimate Trial, though. Granted, that's because of the whole. Um, whole thing with um COVID and whatnot, so it makes sense. Uh I don't think I I, I really like the last near raid. Uh the last near alliance raid. I think it's the it's possibly the best alliance raid in the in the in the game. But the problem is is that I wasn't a huge fan of the first two near alliance raids. And I feel like looking at like Stormblood's Alliance raids, the uh Return to Evilis uh raids, those were really good. Like, taken as a whole, they're the best Alliance Raid series in the entire game. It's really inventive. It's, like, got just amazing visuals. It's got... Sorry sorry to be green on this, but when you specify Alliance Raid, can you just give me, like, the one sentence, what that means compared to, like, another style of raid? Uh, regular raids are 8-man. Alliance Raids are 24-man. Oh, okay, so big raid. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, They're more casual content because, obviously, with 24 people, it's, like, herding cats. So, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing with the little bit of online experience I have playing other games, like the more people you throw at a raid, it's every, well, this is going to be obvious. I'm, I'm stating this like it's some enlightening thing, but every individual person has to carry less of the burden. It's easier to kind of squeak yeah. through and let other people carry the load compared yep. to like eight man where if one person makes a mistake, it's much more costly. Yep. That's exactly it. So, um, Shadowbringers overall, good expansion. I think people are maybe a little bit too hard on Stormblood. Sure, the main storyline for Stormblood's disappointing, but the patches were really good. The side content's really good. It was a good expansion, too. But anyways, I'm excited for Endwalker. Uh, um, you're saying? So I don't want to, like, boil it down to, like, something. I don't, I don't want to dilute it too much, but, like, if you were to tear it, you'd say, like, Shadowbringers is pretty damn good, but Stormblood plus its post-launch patches is also pretty damn good. Shadowbringer post-expansion patches, maybe not so much, like a step down. Yeah, I'd say that overall, I'd probably put them on the same tier, which that's really going to piss people off. Uh, but basically, Shadowbringers, it's the best story. And it's the best experience of going through the actual expansion, not the patches. Stormblood, if you care about the gameplay aspects of 14, like the raids and the trials, Stormblood's better at that. Yeah, it had a better tale after the expansion release, according to your experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, the only thing I saw was like a, about this FF14 is a, a friend of mine streamed like the 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 last new uh near raid, and I was like you know it's what? insane. It's pretty, absolutely pretty, insane. It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's really I, really I, cool. Like I I really really dug how they did the the final final boss of that thing. I was like, that's huh. 
That's that. Do, do, I, do I need to play this near raid to understand the stuff they're adding to the near remaster? Who knows? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll put it on the to do list that. along with the uh, stage plays and everything else. Well, would be surprised if, I, if that was the case. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, still having a good time of fourteen. I well, obviously, I'm going to play Endwalker at launch, so I'm excited for that. Not much else to say. You've um, got the you got the second half of five point five somewhere between now and then, right? Yeah, but it's basically just like tying up loose ends before the next expansion. Yeah. So it's not a not a huge deal. Kind of like an epilogue denouement thing, or I don't know what you would call it. Based more, you could call it an epilogue to the current expansion, but it's also just as much like a prologue to the next one. So mm-hmm. that's for a deal. Yep. And with that, we are. Hour and 45 minutes in, and I think everyone has managed to get their say. Is that the case? I did not miss anyone. So we will go on into some of the stuff we teased about earlier about some of the announcements for the week. Uh, not a ton, but a couple uh, a couple interesting things nested in here. As Chow alluded to, we got the first hints slash, I don't know, confirmation, it's not quite the right word, of a new Saga project from Square Enix. So during, obviously, Saga Frontier Remastered launched a couple days ago. And during the launch stream, the Saga series creator, Kwazu, basically uh, declared that his team is currently preparing for a new game in the series. On top of that, he's expressed interest in saying, like, what other Saga properties are we uh, should we be remastering? With uh, ideas such as like Saga Frontier 2, Unlimited Saga, which I want to hear your opinion on that because I only ever hear interesting things about Unlimited Saga. My opinion uh, so basically, on uh, Any opinion. All opinions on Unlimited Saga. I, I, I don't know anything about the game other than that it is something. Uh, I can explain a little bit of it. <laughs> well, well, maybe maybe we'll put that. Uh, we'll put the, we'll push that down the list a little bit because it's not the main topic here. The main topic is is that the Saga series seems like it will continue and it seems like the remastering works that they've done with romancing saga and now saga frontier obviously has kind of sparked a bit of new life in it so what do we think about this glimmered a whole new life in it thank you very much oh yes i'm sorry i have to use the appropriate <laughs> oh i just got that <laughs> <laughs> thank you george uh i i think this is really you know i mean it's not to say like you know of course we're all jazzed about it like i'm I'm glad that you know Saga has oddly become one of like the most consistent series uh now like I just I don't know it's it's weird to see like Saga uh enjoying success and I think Kawazu you know Kawazu and all the talented developers uh around it you know deserve it it's such a you know as as time goes on and you know we see more uh rpgs in general both western and japanese like you know modernize think about new ways to like you know bring a more modern experience to an audience and so in some respects that's good in like expanding the audience but in a way it dilutes some of the core systems along the way i you know i i find myself wanting to get more old school experiences and it's hard to find new old school experiences that aren't just like you know remastering a previous thing that i've already played I want something like Scarlet Grace that, like you know, was able to incorporate some of those old school experiences, but in like modernized, fun ways where it doesn't feel like I'm pulling its teeth. Um, so, and and Saga, I know I can like relatively rely on 
to like bring that experience. And I, I, I like that about it. I was wondering, uh, I don't want to like push, but I was wondering if Adam, if you had any takeaways from this news, just because you seem to be like really vibing with what you've played of the series recently. I mean, so there was a period of time there in like the PlayStation three era where all Japanese developers, but like Square Enix especially, just is really struggling. And okay, I have, I have complex thoughts on this. So we we were talking before about how Saga Frontier had like a lot of cut content, and um, a friend of mine was actually making an argument that that sort of mindset in the PlayStation One, PlayStation Two era. Uh, I mean, I I'm not sure how to sort this out. So Saga Frontier has like a lot of content that was made for the game that never got put into the game. Kenji Ito, who is the uh, composer on Saga Frontier, actually mentioned that he composed like 150 tracks for the game or something, and a third of them didn't make their way in. And an argument was made that Square Enix or Squaresoft at the time, they were kind of this excess as a developer, like, like just kind of kitchen sink it, like make a bunch of stuff and some of it will get into the game or whatever. And like they just would make excess. And that's mm -hmm. why you ended up with cut content or unreleased tracks or whatever. And that sort of philosophy probably harmed them as development got trickier and harder with like the PS3 era where they had to maybe had to have more focused streamlined workflows in terms of how to, how to actually make a game. And perhaps because of that, series like Saga, like Mana, they kind of they didn't have entries like HD entries for a long time. They had a few on like DS or whatever, but you know we got a couple of releases on PlayStation Two, and then they were just they just disappeared, right? Um, like there's no Mana game on PlayStation Three, right? I'm not misremembering. There's no Saga game. Um, there wasn't even really a Kingdom Hearts game on PlayStation uh, Three, right? So there was remasters. So. Um, and that that kitchen sink approach. Since we've seen like brand of, new entries, when, when, when you when you discuss that, I I think of like Final Fantasy Fifteen is what I think about. Yeah, and they, they I guess they sort sort of still embody it in ways, but um, it like I'm I, I'm excited to see like stuff like Mana. They had the remaster or the remake really of Trials of Mana, and that significantly surpassed expectations. So I hope. They haven't said anything yet, but like, hopefully they're going to make a new title, like something brand new. It's been more than a decade since we've had a brand new Mana title. So I'm excited to see that. Um, they've confirmed now that there's going to be a new Saga game. We actually did get a brand new Saga game not too long ago, so maybe not as uh, not as much of a drought there. But still, it's been a, you know, it hasn't been like a deluge of Saga games other than re-releases for a bit here, which that's really cool. But the fact that it's like we're going to be seeing a new one, like a brand new one, in addition to stuff like uh, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and you know stuff like Kingdom Hearts and Nier, which is of course a big Square Enix property now. Um, I, that's exciting to me that like these franchises are getting new life. I I hope we get similar news on this vein on like for Mana. I hope the Legend of Mana re-release really does well for them. And you know I want a brand new Mana game and see what that looks like now. I hope yeah. it's like Trolls because that was. That was like really good. I enjoyed that a lot. It's a good art style for it. Yeah. yeah. And to circle back on what we started on, uh, a translated statement from Kawazu basically says, like, we've released most of the past titles, including the Saga Collection, but we still have Romancing Saga, Saga Frontier 2, and Unlimited Saga being left out. Um, Ciao, tell me about Unlimited Saga. 
Um, basically, in Unlimited Saga, you get to play as multiple characters, just like Cyber Frontier does. Um, the problem with the game is their the exploration is really weird. It's like a little tabletop game, and it's like you kind of you step this way, it'll be a booby trap. You're dead. You step this way, it's like you're still hurt for some odd reason, right? Um, then after once you make it to the end of your trip, you basically get all your rewards. It's kind of like it's like it's like Josh explaining how he's playing Oregon Trail. It's it's like that with Saga. Kinda. Saga yeah. is like Oregon Trail. This was not the connection I was thinking. <laughs> That's the title. Up. It's definitely <laughs> it's definitely le- like less forgiving. Like especially when I think about like how part like how combat is uh, initiated. Again, because it, it kind of has like a certain. It's kind of like Star Ocean Three, where you have like really two life bars in battle. You have like HP and LP. Yeah, yeah. One of the cool uh, battle mechanics is like if this boss is like has like a million HP, you can't really hurt it, but it has like hardly any LP. If you can able to kill it with LP, then you can kill it like like that, right? That's yeah, like same thing. Like, three with like 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 you'll have like stars and three bosses have like inflated health, but depleting MP in that game, your magic points, like that can mm-hmm. actually kill you too. Bail me out here. There's some, there's a game that I played where either if your HP or MP went to zero, you died. What game was that? Star Ocean Three. Oh, is that Star Ocean Three? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I thought there was something else. Maybe that's what it is, though. It's like at the edge. It's at the fringe of my stupid brain. But I, I remember that like technique where it's like this boss is very little MP, so just use like magic hammer attacks, and you'll you'll win no problem. And I, I'm trying to remember like what was the the rules for it because it's not like you don't get like full HP and LP every uh, every battle like in Saga Frontier. Like you're not fully healed. You have to like I think rest at a town or arrive at a town to even like and and you couldn't flee as well just like other older saga iterations before the remasters so it really locked you in so if they if they give you the opportunity to flee i imagine in an unlimited saga remaster it'll lessen the blow but it it is very much uh it feels like a choose your own adventure game except you're getting you're getting fucked <laughs> along the way no matter what if you don't know what you're doing and it's easy to get lost yeah, the battle system's even more convoluted than Scarlet Grace. I think Scarlet Grace basically took Unlimited Saga and just refined that battle system to make it work. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'd, I'd be really because out of Romantic Saga, like we'll talk about Romantic Saga one in a bit, but like out of those three, both Romantic Saga one, Saga Frontier two, and Unlimited Saga, I'm most interested to see what they would do to Unlimited Saga two, like modernize it because i like i'm not saying i'm not saying it's a great game but i feel like you're you miss something out of that game if you provide too many conveniences to it as well i feel like they should provide like two modes like an enhanced mode like the odin sphere remaster like like they should have original mode if you like it the old (laughs) ruthless game or the enhanced mode if you want all the new features like the quality of life or you know or something like that, right? Oh yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a bad solution to that. I, I wonder what they would do in that enhanced mode. Like would they like like an Odin Sphere, would they like just revamp the skill system overall and just like provide like a new way to progress your characters? Yeah, it will make both audience happy, right? Like a new audience I want to try it and the hardcore purists, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh that that's interesting. But circling back around to like Romantic Saga One, that that's even uh, a complicated one as well because we already had a remake of Romantic Saga One. So if they were to reintroduce Romantic Saga One, 
now would it be the original version which i'm not really a big fan of or minstrel song which i i really do like minstrel song i think i think minstrel strong is a good game i think the only problem was the art style i think it turned off a lot of people with the kind of like the donkey kong mode head art <laughs> style. <laughs> I like recall. But yeah yeah i just i don't know there's too many there's too many things you'd have to do with the original i feel like to like get it up to snuff but it could be done and saga frontier i'm, too, just, uh, I'm cool. just letting you know that as soon as chow described it that way i'm like i gotta pull up some screenshots uh-huh. <laughs> and i see it i see it <laughs> donkey kong mode head that's a weird explanation but it, it does work okay definitely have big ends for sure Maybe the normie explanation for not a JRPG. I don't know. No, it worked out. But I think- basically, I've I've learned over the last couple of podcasts that I keep just going back. I've only played Saga Square of Grace. I've only played Saga Square of Grace. Well, maybe now I'm going to have the opportunity to branch out from that a bit. These are these are the best ways to play it right now. I am just uh, mm-hmm. they're they're making smart remasters like, and they have a pretty good record. Unlike Mana, <laughs> like Mana has had like the Adventures of Mana on Vita, which is like yeah, it's okay. And then you don't want to talk about what happened to Secret of Mana, but they got there with Trials of Mana. Um, so like, if they're willing to put the effort and make a decent game, I think the Mana series can grow. If they just put like a half-ass effort like their Secret of Mana remake, then it's gonna bomb. Maybe this is a dumb question, but why do we always pair Saga and Mana together? Like it seems like whenever we talk about one, be, we always talk about the other. I think because it used to be one of their top series from Square back in their earlier days. Because back then, Square used to known the Mana games were their top, their top dog for action RPGs until they started creating the Kingdom Hearts franchise, right? So I guess that's why people like to compare. I mean, yeah, they they, they kind of they occupied a, a very similar space for like it's it's the it's the it's the RPG series that were big in the, the back in the day for Square, but that was that weren't Final Fantasy, you know. Mm-hmm. So pre Kingdom Hearts era and now pre Near era, I guess. They they were like the two casualties of that PS3 era that Adam mentioned, yeah. where it's kind of and now both of them have a new leash on life. Yeah, and I I really hope that like. Legend of Mana finds its audience, like in a pretty big audience, hopefully. Because, you know, yeah, to, to me, the, the 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 more like old school RPG series that are lost to time, the more it kind of not hurts the industry. I don't know if it hurts the industry, but it hurts me personally. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, don't know, I, I think this, this news is real, all good news, and hopefully, we'll see, we'll hear a similar announcement in the, in the following months for mana and hopefully they're like yeah we should do this and hopefully they'll do another live alive stream that actually announces that they'll do live alive remaster for real i don't know you're you're asking for too much like oh rain rain in their expectations of it and, and maybe they'll announce hey we'll do a new live alive it's like oh okay finally we can get the, the real news then yes we got a surprise announcement from konami during the nintendo indie world showcase they announced a new roguelike Metroidvania, Roguevania, called Getsufuma Den Undying Moon. This is a side-scrolling, again, Metroidvania with an art style that's kind of like a mix between like Okami and Muramasa, focused on like Japanese mythology, th- that sort of uh, story setting. 
with a two-minute teaser trailer that is pretty much all gameplay. So what do we think about this? I just watched the trailer uh, before the podcast. I think it looks pretty neat. It, I guess uh, no one played the Nintendo version. Yeah, there's a, there's a sequel to the original Nintendo game because there was a Getsu Fumaden game on uh, Famicom. And oh, I forget I, it was also on the PC Engine. Yeah, it's true. This, this this is why I don't reason, know why. The only reason I even know of this game is because of High Score Girl. <laughs> That's wow. a way to get to there. Nice, good job. I forgot they had they, they featured it on that show. Um, yeah, this is out of nowhere. This is uh, I I think I don't know if Konami. I think Konami's co-developing it with uh, a company called Gura Gura. I think Guru 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 Guru. See, I think of the VTuber now. I'm already getting mixed up. Um, this is, yeah, this is the you know from the Famicom game. I never really play. I never played the Famicom game. I've seen it, but I, I've seen footage of it, but I've never played it. The Famicom game predates me. That's my excuse. <laughs> and it's like you know, it's it's your typical side scroller hack and slash from back in the day, which is you know, I I never played it, so I can't say it for sure. Like if people loved it, but seeing this new footage of this game. This is this is neat, and I, I think it's coming next month to Steam Early Access. Yeah, I was gonna just go over this. It is coming to St- Steam Early Access May thirteenth, and then obviously it showed up in a Nintendo Indie World showcase. It's planning for a Switch release next year in twenty twenty two at some point. Yeah, and the, and the way they're rolling that out, I believe, is um, if you get it on Steam Early Access, you can actually play the original Famicom game as part of that package, and. Uh, on the website, I think they already are teasing like a a free DLC character as well as other ongoing plans to like you know bring additions to the game and whatnot. Um, it looks it looks cool. I'm, I'm not I'm not really familiar with the original game, uh, admittedly, but what I saw was like oddly enough, the, when I first saw this game, um, a bit of Muramasa came to mind and a little bit a bit of Kami as you were uh, talking about. But it, since I've been kind of messing with it recently it kind of reminded me of uh world of demons the platinum games now apple arcade game mm-hmm. yeah and i was like I, but it looks better than that <laughs> uh, i'm not really a big fan of the of world of demons the more i play of it but this one looks interesting and i'm it, it looks a little bit more deliberate like it's yeah. not as flashy and fast it, it's a little bit more slower and methodical which isn't necessarily bad it's hard to know without playing it though like if it feels good but just based on the trailer it looks just like a, it has a little, little bit more weight to it it's not just pizzazz it's got you know it seems, it seems like the sort of thing where if you sit there and take damage you're gonna take a lot of damage like because everything's a little bit more telegraphed and slow at least really? that's my impression from two minutes of footage. <laughs> I, I guess this really opens up like the floor now uh, for Konami. It's like that Konami wanted new releases with like uh, their classic properties, and I guess this is their first step into it. Konami back in the game, then I guess. Mr. Ginger's sequel, please. <laughs> but it, it was just bizarre to see the Konami logo in the Indie World stream first for Nintendo. I'm like, this is uh all right. I guess <laughs> this is what we're doing now. But hopefully it leads to like you know more Konami properties being revisited because you know as much as Konami has done right or wrong in the past yeah, few years, um, they have a whole wealth of properties that like right. see you know they they have some some of the most classic properties in existence you know not just Metal Gear Solid you know Silent Hill is still kind of twiddling its thumbs and the whole wealth of other ones. 
Next up, we've got a trio of Square Enix announcements. And you, m- most two of these, at least, are basically just follow-ups on bigger headlines from previous weeks. So obviously, last week, we talked about the big release date reveal and new trailer for Neo, The World Ends With You. Obviously, it is coming out um, on July 27th and then a PC release in summer. That was last week's news. So this week kind of followed it up with some some character bios, some new artwork, a little bit of details on this pin system. So I don't know if there's really, as someone who has not played the original game, I don't know if there's any like deeper meaning to really glean from this or if there's anything here that really stands out. Maybe like how it plays on a, a single screen device compared to the two screen device. Did you guys who have played the original game have any takeaways? I always played the from? original DS version. I never played like the remaster because I can't imagine what the game would be like without having two screens. Yeah, so you weren't yeah, you weren't here last week, Chow, but that was kind of obviously a big discussion when we talked about Neo about how the battle system has to inherently be different and likely simpler just because it doesn't even have that option. It's it's gonna be Neo sorry, it's gonna be the world ends with you remastered by default like it's not even pairing itself down from anything this is just how it has to be built for the switch i mean i'm excited i just want to play it at this point it's uh it's cool to see all this all these new things but i just want to get my hands on it and yeah i mean they they keep they they keep showing off the 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 new character that they introduce in the in the final remix uh new day like i'm just like i'm so curious because that that character didn't really do much in that in that new day scenario from what I remember, and I'm just really interested how this all links up. I, I for me, like I guess my questions at the moment, since this is going to be a sequel to the anime that's airing right now, <laughs> like because like the 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 anime's second episode aired yesterday, and I watched that, and I was like, yeah, I, I, was I feel like they're already like. Nothing has really changed like from the core of like what, what's happened, but I feel like they're reordering that some stuff in the anime if my memory is serving correctly. And, like, and the time kind of matches up. By the time the anime is over, it's almost like yeah. the time when the game comes out. Yeah, and like from what I remember, I'm not going to spoil like anything specific, but in the, the way that the first episode ends, um, you know, ne- Neku was trying was uh, trying to, you know, uh, basically uh, get rid of his partner. But then in the second episode after that, like, you know, they already delved into that partner's backstory. And I was like, I don't think this happens that, that soon. That is early. Uh, yeah. That, that, I that, that, watched it, but... uh, yeah, because, because there, there were some key things that happened, like, in between those two events that, like, I guess they're going to revisit now in the third episode by the third episode's title. So uh, I, I think that's how it went. I'm like, oh, are they going to reorder things? And how, how will this affect? Or are they, are they just like kind of like reordering it so it like it flows better narratively if for a TV anime adaptation? So obviously the news this week is just some character bios for some antagonists or antiheroes. Uh, Shoka, Korea, and Uzuki talks about the pin system a bit. A few of the abilities, uh, such you know, it's so it's a little bit detailed, a little bit of my new show, but we do have it up on the site if you're interested. And a bunch of new screenshots showing a bunch of English text and dialogue if you want to get a, a reading for how that how that feels to read. And they did talk that the uh, the composer of the original game, Takaharu Ishimoto, ha- is returning. And obviously, there's new tracks, rearranged familiar tracks such as Twister, Twister. and Calling. 
Okay, okay. So, so unfortunately, like not not on this game, but for the anime that's ongoing, they had to like replace the opening. Uh, oh yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, the original because one of the the drummer for that band got into, so, I think something, and then like that they were just tastily removed from the anime. So they mm-hmm. they replaced the the track with a with a a new version of I think it's a remix version of a uh, of Twister, and. It doesn't really flow well with the openings animation. Uh, like you, you can easily tell that like, oh, these things don't align well at all. It, just, it feels so mismatched. It's like, I guess you can really tell that like yeah. the, the flow of the opening was meant for that the original song and not whatever was re- replaced. It's not. It's it wasn't great, and you know it ha- has to be like this because of the circumstances. But uh, it's like it's one of those things that you see. It's like, oh. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> like George, you saw that, right? That that clip. Yeah, you you shared it on the staff chat, and at first I was like, it's it's just Twister, and then it start it starts going to the lyrics. It's just like, but but it's not. It's like it's off twist, off twist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whirlwind or something. It's like off brand. Yeah. The second Square Enix announcement is on a similar front. It's basically just more media dump about the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade Intermission DLC, which is the, uh, the UP. Yes. Uh, capital I-N-T-E-R mission. Intermission. Uh, so obviously we had a, we kind of had a blowout of information on this a couple weeks ago where we learned about the playstyle, how UP is playable, and Sonon is kind of like uh, an NPC ally. But this media, yeah, what this media dumps on is a little bit about the Avalanche HQ. So that's uh, that's kind of a big idea of the Final Fantasy VII remake in general. That kind of is a little bit different, or at least shifted from the original game, where Avalanche is like this larger corporation or this larger entity that the Midgar group was just a small fraction of. So introduces some like new original characters here. Uh, So Billy Bob and Nio, hell yeah. Yeah, so the the short-haired glasses from Tifa, not Tifa, is Neo. There's a guy who wears like a beanie or headband named Billy Bob. He looks uh, like we get a little bit from from Guilty Gear. That's what <laughs> I choose to believe. Uh, we uh we ha- we got a little bit of detail about Weiss, uh, which is from Third of Service. And I know when when Weiss is first is it Weiss or Vice? I don't know, but uh, when he was first announced, people were kind of like planning or hoping or thinking that he might just be like a simulator battle like ah he's not really around is he <laughs> but uh, i don't know it seems like he might actually play a role we'll have to see to exactly what extent chow uh, his you... voice oh, go go finish your thought sorry i was gonna say uh weiss his english voice is an english voice of frieza damon mills oh I'm like, nice I'm, I'm interested to see that Okay, so I don't I'll, recognize the other voice yeah, actors. Yeah, jo- Joji Nakata is is a very popular uh, Japanese voice. Uh, he do, he does the, his most famous role is uh, Kotomine Kire from the Fate series. But he's done a lot mm-hmm. of other uh, voice roles. Um, Chow, uh, Chow, in, in the in the Japanese version of Dirge Cerberus, was Joji Nakata always voice? If yeah, he was. Oh, okay, I didn't know because I never played the. Japanese. They, they got the original Japanese voice for like pretty much everyone in the FF7 remake. It's. The only thing I don't know what they're going to do in part two is uh, Reno because his voice actor passed away this last year. Yeah, unfortunately. But, you know, that's unfortunately. The... Go for it. Sorry, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking ahead. I'm like, I'm, I'm reading through like this character bios here. 
and it's like four original characters that are part of this avalanche hq and i'm just i'll be honest like i'm looking at this and i'm like not really mustering up excitement like oh i guess i gotta learn yeah. like i don't know like it just it's final fantasy 7 remake but here we're gonna put in like this original story thrown in here i guess i can hope it's good and I don't know, but I'm just, just like it's not really what I'm excited for. I, I, like a lot of people I know were like excited to hear about this new content with Yuffie, but the moment when there's Dirge of Silver stuff, they're like, oh god, I don't want to. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like Yuffie is obviously a highlight, and you got Weiss is kind of like this wild card, like oh he's from the expanded universe, and then we've got five original characters, these four HQ guys plus Sonon, and I'm just like, am I? I'm not really that excited about that, and for whatever reason, just like uh, I'm I guess. I, Billy Bob, so. Yes. <laughs> I hear from well, I have, I have a feeling they're not going to be really like crucial characters. Like I remember before Final Fantasy VII remake released, they did similar bios for people like that that like simulator kid for the Chocobo guy for the uh, the the dresser, um, Kyrie and uh, Leslie and yeah, and like they're like sure, but they're not like. I, there's not going to be anyone out there like, oh yeah, I, I love Leslie. He's such a good character. Le- Leslie's actually a <laughs> <hard to> character. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know Leslie, Leslie and Kyrie. Leslie's actually my favorite character. And I, I've offended yeah. you with that. <laughs> bring, bring Simulator Kid to Dissidia. That's what I want to say. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, very. I guess for people who really want to know like everything about the game before it comes out, there it is. You can read all these bios. They 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 do also talk about like Yuffie's ATB abilities, so uh, Banishment and Windstorm. So you can read about that. You know, it's kind of what it's kind of what you'd expect it to be. I am interested to see if it feels like it plays any differently with the way that it's kind of like a tag team system here instead of a full party. I hope I hope when they introduce Weiss in this game, I don't know how the fuck they do it, but I hope that when they uh, when they when you have a Weiss scene, he, there's just constantly like images of Dirge of Cerberus back on the PS2 blaring on screen for like a split second. <laughs> I was like, I I don't know why they do it, but they should do it. Man, I, I like don't actually remember anything from Dirge Service. Like I, I remember the stupid it. teleporting scene where <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the one where Vincent's like he gets his gun pointing behind Vice and Vice is behind him. <laughs> Vincent's behind him. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's so good. But bad, but really good. But like I you know, it's like a twenty hour game I played, you know, fifteen years ago or whatever, and just like, no, yeah, I guess I guess I should study up. And you're gonna have We gotta wait for Ever Crisis. And get uh get it back on our bearings for the all the FF7 expanded universe lore. If it's up on any of the PSN stores, make sure you grab it before they shut it down. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think it is. If you want to play it, you have to get a disc. <laughs> Shit. I just the other day looked up how much 3D Doc Game Heroes is going for because it never got a PSN release. So nothing's changed for that game. But it's going for over $100 used now ever since the announcement of PSN going down, even though it was never available digitally in the first place. Yeah, that's weird. I still have that on my shelf. I love that game. The last bit of Square Enix news in this trilogy is we have a verbal commitment from the Nier series account that the Steam version of Nier Automata will get an upgrade patch that is in development. This is obviously on the heels of a separate game, not Game Pass, Windows Store port of the of Nier Automata that works better out of the box that resulted in the Steam version of the game being heavily 
downvoted and review bombed. So last time I looked, it had it had, dro- it had dropped into like a recent review, mostly negative. Remember, and kids, th- bullying works. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> it's the sort of review bomb that isn't like. So obviously, Steam has a system of, over the last couple of years where if it's external to the game development, they like flag it as being an off-topic review bomb. It's not really the case here. It's basically saying, "Hey, there's another version of the there's another PC version of the game that runs better." Uh, though, of course, some people will say, "Like, well, if you." If you slick and mod up the Steam version fully, it's actually better. It's like sure, fine. Uh, yeah, but uh, you gotta go to like out, outer, outside of your, you know, not everyone wants to do that, right? With a big footnote, like, oh, it doesn't work out of the box, but that's okay, I guess. But that there are no details on this. Basically, imagine buying say, a car and there's no steering wheel, and they tell you you had to go for a third party. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah it's, it's a great, it's a great car <laughs> once you uh, once you uh, fill in the gaps and add the missing pieces. Sure. Um, but yeah, no details. They just say an upgrade patch is in development. That's it. So like, I, I'm not gonna claim to be a marketing expert, but I but I bet for like catalog sales, having that Steam page say recent reviews are mostly negative. I bet that has like a significant effect on people who you know. Obviously, if you're a Square Enix fan, if you're a Near fan, you've already played this game. But clearly, this game has shown appeal outside of that audience. To a broader audience but if you're browsing steam and you see that recent reviews are negative i bet there's a significant you know number of sales at risk there especially so, you know the biggest part about that is like just the, the color coding on that is like whenever like you get when you're whenever you did decrease in like positive to negative reviews that becomes red. That, it becomes darker red too it's like uh or or if you're like sorting by publisher negative. yeah like is it like they just want to fix this before the remaster re- uh, replicant comes out well i don't, I don't doesn't, doesn't seem like it's going to be fixed before then unless they surprise us i, I yeah. doubt it that would have to be in within the next week but i mean you know that this is the power of just giving you know exposing user reviews you know not being able to like say hey how, uh, like i want my voice to be heard you know, it sucks that it had to take all this time, like four years, four to five years out. But, you know, hopefully whatever fix they're going to bring to the Steam version will finally resolve these issues that it's been having just out of the box. It's It mm-hmm. sucks that it had to be like done this way. You know, common sense would say, just do it. Just <laughs> like fix it, not even just how many years later. It's like you would hope that this fix would have been done within the first six months of its PC release. but. Now that it's come to this point, this breaking point, it's a very similar sort of thing. It was it was not as big a scale, but the the surprise PC launch of Chrono Trigger went through a very similar, only much quicker uh, series where it released. It got bagged for being a very shoddy port, and then they have like five pretty rapid patches to bring it up pretty much up to snuff. I think I might have a couple like niggling lingering issues, but they like they buffed that one out quick because unlike Nier Automata, because Nier Automata was such a great game independent of that, I think a lot of these issues kind of some people might say like, oh you're hypocritical. You didn't whine about this before. But it was kind of like it was always like third on the rung. It's like it's a great game. Once you patch it, then the third thing out of your mouth was like it's playable even though it's not a great port. Where since since they have the uh, the other storefront now, you can kind of focus on that and say like, hey, now I can just get it from this other storefront and no longer have this issue. I don't think that's really being hypocritical. 
Um, and like Adam said, I think it's really just kind of a legacy thing where they just don't want to have that big blemish on one of a major PC storefront. So I feel like they should have had the wherewithal to think here, of here, that. Here, here's what they should do. They should release a better version stealthily on Epic Game Store and no one can bitch about it there because there's no user reviews. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> couple other tiny things at the end here as we start to wrap up um trails of cold steel one and two are getting switch releases in japan and asia in july and august respectively so this kind of goes back to the talk about like switch owners like as of after the summer at least in japan they won't have to start with uh cold steel three they can at least start with cold steel one of course whether we have to ask about the possibility of an English Switch port for those games, I don't know where that lies because obviously we've got different publishers involved between Exceed and East yeah. America. So I don't know exactly, like, can that happen? Will it happen? How well, can it happen? I actually really don't know. Couldn't Exceed just release it just like what they did with Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 and the PS4? While the, uh, licensing particulars in terms of do they have the rights to, to publish ports? Or do they have to like renegotiate? Yeah, we don't. It's a very weird territory. But for those living in Japan, you can now play Cold Steel One Two ahead of Three on Switch. So maybe it opens the door for an English version down the road. I so think I guess like the oh. Crossbell games are also being released on Switch as well, aren't they? I haven't kept a track. Like I know all the I know those Crossbell Kai games are releasing in a few different places, including PC. Uh, but I don't know if we're getting Switch versions. Anyway, it's, it's a hard series room. to follow because it's, you've got like different different publishers and different regions for different titles, and then including like Japan and Asian, or sorry, Chinese and Asian versions in different places too. So it's kind of hard to keep track of where everything lands and in what languages. Yeah, Falcom's a really weird company. Like back in their earlier days, they would have like other companies to make the games for them. Like they had Hudson Soft to make their version of use for and later on they had mm -hmm. to go on and say it's not canon because they didn't follow our story outline or something like that yeah so yeah what other series can you say, can you say like there's a false fourth entry or like a non-canon fourth entry and then a canon fourth entry it's kind of weird go ahead adam falcon is probably one of the most like they're a small company but in terms of just like mind share they're they're one of the most like prominent japanese developers left that doesn't have like an English branch, like Koei Tecmo, Bandai Namco, Square Enix, uh, uh, Nipponichi Software, Atlas, Sega, like they all have like an English branch that obviously does their work, but Falcom doesn't. So they have to rely on someone else to publish it. And that's why you get this weird stuff happening. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, the indie game Chris Tales finally has a release date. It's can constantly like shifted and narrowed like it's spring or now it's summer. Uh, it's coming out on July 20th. So not a whole lot to say other than that. It finally has a release date. Uh, this this game first showed up at E3 2019, I believe. Uh, made by Colombian studio Dreams Incorporated. It got delayed a few times, obviously, because 2020, I'm sure, kind of sucked for a small indie studio. Uh, looks kind of like a a different take on a chrono trigger sort of idea with like time shifting mechanics. We've talked about this game a few times over the last couple of years. I think at this point it's just kind of like, all right, we got a release date. Let's revisit with it then. 
And then the last thing on the docket here is that we got the announcement of a narrative expansion for Wasteland 3. So we're finally going to the other side of the pond with a Western RPG. Uh, Deep Silver has announced the Battle of Steel Town, which is set to release on June 3rd for both PC and console for Wasteland 3. And then it came up with a, a little 45-second teaser, so not a whole lot. Uh, I'm actually a little... Waste... Go ahead. I'm a little bit disappointed in this. I, I liked Wasteland 3 as a game, but now with an exile with Microsoft, I was kind of just like, I'm interested to see what they're going to do next. You know, Wasteland 3, they had to crowdfund, you know, it, it ended up pretty well, I think. It was in our top 10. It was in our fan top 10. But, like, I kind of wanted them to, like, move on from it. You know, like, what's the next thing? Rather than more... I, did, I wasn't really desiring more of Wasteland 3. Does that make sense? To yeah, be okay. fair... To be fair, with an expansion like this, it's incredibly likely that it's a smaller team working on this, and it's something that that team's working on while another team is working on whatever they're working on. I actually don't know how big an exile is. I know they have two studios, so maybe. I'm kind of with you where we felt the same sort of thing with uh, Outer, Outer Worlds for Obsidian, where it started development before the acquisition, and then they had uh, obviously, the, we talked in a previous podcast about the two expansions for that, and then we've got this lingering expansion for Wasteland Three with Battle Steel Town. I enjoyed the game a fair bit. I'm the one that reviewed it for the site, and I reviewed it late, but I decided I liked it enough that I decided to kind of like write up something formally for it. But I'm like not even eager to like do that. Like the same, I have the same lack of enthusiasm for the Outer Worlds thing. I still haven't played those. Like I enjoy those games, but I just I don't know. Just going back to it after seven months, eight months away. I'm just, I don't know, I'm not, not enthused by it. It's a downer to end the podcast on. Wasteland <laughs> 3 is getting expansion. Maybe I'll play it. Uh, yeah. it but it's it's a good game. I, like For anyone who's looking for a like a uh, a modern, tactical-based, Western-styled RPG, like I would definitely suggest it. It's got some really interesting storytelling and some cool ideas uh, with XCOM-style gameplay, which is always, you know, I guess hard to get wrong. Maybe maybe it's easy to get wrong, but they but they nail it here. Uh, so this summer there'll be a little bit more Wasteland Three to play. Well, there's still more Genshin news. If anyone still care about that, what is the Genshin news, Joe? Well, there's a new housing. patch update coming soon. Well, yeah, they had a housing system. They, they, uh, what are you doing in the housing system? Well, you collect points and you could build all these furnitures and you can get rewarded from from how much stuff you have. Owen with the housing thing. You invite to decorate your house. I think it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know much about Genshin, but when I posted this news, some people were like, there's new uh, Zongli content? Forget that. What about housing? Housing? <laughs> Who cares about Zongli? Do I have to gotcha for these housing parts? It's like they're going to drive the player base bankrupt, whatever they will do. <laughs> That's not a no. Uh oh. But anyways, uh, yeah, there's a new housing system, a lot of quality of life features. They got basically they're going to reduce half the resin cost for for the world boss fights. So that fixed the problem that won't fix the problem as a whole. But I'm just saying that that kind of makes it a little easier with your resin problem. Maybe I don't know. But I feel like the content is still coming out a little slowly. Um, if you were watching like a Chinese live stream of the content they actually showed like two characters from the honkai as their avatar speaking 
doing the live streams of that. So people are like, oh my God, are they coming soon? You know, right? That's Honkai Impact, another game from Mihoyo. Miho, yeah. Like they show basically one the one the voice actor there that was announcing stuff was using a a, a yay a yay avatar. So everyone's like, is yay coming? You know. But yeah, the uh, the one point five version of Genshin Impact launches on April twenty eighth. So another thing to look forward to later in the month. That's for like, you, uh, Genshin Impactors. They're gonna. They've been doing like a. They've been doing a new patch like every six weeks. That's a new patch every six weeks, but there's nothing like like no actual content to explore. You know, people want the new region already. I think that's I the problem. The, I guess the big news out of all this too is like they're gonna release like a, a PS5 native version. So like you can still play like the the uh, Genshin Impact right now on PS5, but I guess this version will be like. Is supporting native PS5 features, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah that's coming with it. Under, under, was it QA? Was there in the mobile version, they're going to go more with like cloud streaming instead of like you're trying to download all that stuff. You're, you could be like playing a game with cloud streaming instead. Where's the Switch version? Yeah, uh, well, and you go ask them. I mean, last time when there was a Nintendo Indie. <laughs> All the comments kept spamming. Where's Genshin? Where's Genshin? Yeah, well, what's that? The weird thing about that, if you haven't followed, is they they announced it in January 2020. So it's been more than a year, and they haven't mentioned it since. Like even in their press releases, they're like, Genshin Impact is currently available on PC, phones, and PS4. It's coming to PS5. What about Switch? No mention of Switch. Don't ask about Switch. Shush. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's just a weird thing. Like uh, they. Companies announce a Switch version and then you never hear about it again. To like, like if we're, I'm still, we're still waiting for like another Eden's developers to acknowledge. Oh the yeah, Switch again. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to play on the Switch though. It'll be like, yeah, if the, if my PS4 can barely play this game optimally. I can't imagine what it looks like on a Switch. I don't know. We'll see. That's gonna be a weird thing too. For well, I guess not so much now, but. Like if another Eden was to come to Switch, it it wouldn't be a new version. Like it it still have like all the I assume all the content that's been up to this point, like how the recent PC release is, and that that would mean that it would have like the the Persona Five and Tales of collab on a Switch version if that were to release. So I don't know. That's weird. There's no. There's one other final note that Josh squeezed in at the end. Uh, we have an announcement of a new Persona game. There, how, how's that for? How's that for? Uh, wait, wait, that mobile game? Are you talking about that mobile game? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for bringing down the temperature. So, uh, Chinese developer Perfect World Games has announced Codename X as a Persona 5 mobile project. Oh, I saw uh, this. Yeah. So, uh, the thing is, is I so I did not learn about this until right as the podcast starts through Twitter user ZooGX, Daniel Ahmad. Perfect World confirmed to him that it is based on the Persona IP. And obviously it doesn't have any sort of English version announcement. But we got a minute, we got a minute reveal trailer for it. Yeah. And I don't know. That's that's weird, but sure, I guess. That's a... I don't know. I'd I'd like to try it, but I think the thing with mobile gotcha games is more like there's just too many in the market. You had to be like lucky to get like a fan base that stick with it if they don't stick with it it's going to close down in like a year or something well i i don't i don't really play 
like that many gotcha games that like don't get released in the West, I guess. I mean, I'll try them out, but I, I feel like Chinese mobile games are even harder to like get access to because some of them like require like very specific things to even like have access, right? Like some may like ask you to like, hey, you need to confirm that like you're a, a resident or Chinese citizen to like get access to this mobile game for for some of them, which is kind of weird, but that's how it is over there. So who knows? I would like to see. I want to see what this game actually is in motion, and like if they're actually gonna either have Persona characters or just make up their own, or maybe this is where we'll finally resurface Persona One and Two characters. It's like fuck. Yeah, so I kind of fumbled the introduction here because it is a bit cloudy. But basically, nothing in the trailer specifically shows this is a Persona game. But I guess some of the file names for the game's artwork use like the the P5 tag. And then I am watching, I'm poking through the trailer and it has like that Persona Tokyo aesthetic. Do you have a volume on? Oh, no, I don't. The volume, the music. I know people are like, will say like any jazz music sounds like Persona Five, but it, it this one does sound like Persona Five. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, but then that is becoming one of those people now. Persona <laughs> Five. <laughs> I don't know, man. If it's a gotcha game, they could sell those Persona One alts. Remember how, like in the Western release and Persona One, where one of the characters completely got changed to a blonde guy or something like that. Oh, you know, that was like a. Oh man, I already forgot the mark. Yeah. Yeah, they they changed the skin to to become a black person in the localized release. That was a choice back then. Different times. Yeah, yeah. well, it gotcha again. You could sell those characters as alts, you know. Man, that'd be so wrong. <laughs> so many levels, God. But you know, that's the that's the market. So we'll stay tuned and see if Codename X or Cross, I never know which one it is these days, becomes a significant thing. Or if it's just going to be relegated to China phones. And that covers us for the podcast. So uh, we managed to get a good length out of it since we had a pretty good talk at the start about everything we've been playing from all all sorts of different series. So that was kind of a cool set of discussions. I'm glad we got the chance to, to talk about them today. As always, you can read about all the news that we talked about up on our website at rpgsite.net. You can join our Discord channel by hitting the link at the top of the rpgsite.net homepage. We also do have a YouTube channel, YouTube slash rpgsite.net. You can obviously follow us on Twitter at rpgsite. As for this podcast, we are here every week. So stay tuned because we have a certain release coming out within a week that we will be able to talk about at length seven days from now. Ooh. Yeah. So until then, take care. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next time. Saga.